Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Episode number 245. We are live from the beautiful and carpet stained Conrad Tokyo <laughs> uh, in the Shio Dome section of Tokyo. And I'm joined this week, this week, I say like I do a weekly podcast anymore, <laughs> by two guests, uh, both returning guests. First of all, Paul from this very podcasting network, the Emerald Flow Show. Hello, Paul. Hello, hello, John. How are you doing? I'm My... doing great. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the, the bad thing did not happen. Oh, no, the bad thing did, 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 did not happen. They, they did the right thing. They finished the story. Yes. It's what you need to do. And also, this we have some weird time travel stuff going on as well, because we already recorded audio that you will listen to in like an hour, an hour and a half, I don't know, from now. So this yes. is kind of getting weird. <laughs> uh, also here... Introduce yourself. I forget which name we we settled on. Uh, I'm the Bebler. Nice the to meet you. <laughs> the Bebler's here, folks. That's right. The in the long line of malls, we have the ECW Mall, Todd Gordon. We have Chuck Taylor, the Chaos Mall, and we have the Doc Discord Mall, <laughs> the Bebler. <laughs> Sorry, Doc, if you're listening to this, I didn't mean to leak your Discord. No, I'm really sorry, Doc. It's <laughs> like five people are going to get that, and they're all going to be furious. Their exact perfect level exact of pettiness. Exact perfect level of pettiness. <laughs> All right, folks. But we're here to talk about the Wrestle Kingdom 18 show uh, from the Tokyo Dome. The first time you and I have ever been to the Tokyo Dome. Which is crazy because mm-hmm. I've been to this country four times now. You've been here twice. Yeah. But 
I think everyone just assumes when you come to Japan, you're going for the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. So, like, I had somebody on Twitter, I think it was, I don't remember who it was, I'm sorry. Whoever it was, if you're listening, I'm sorry. But he was basically like, oh, how does this compare to uh, past Tokyo Domes? Like, what's the crowd size look like? Mm-hmm. And I had to be like, I don't know, because I've never <laughs> been here before. And he's like, oh, you've been to Japan so many times, I thought I would have thought for sure. But it's like, no, I did uh, Invasion Attack 2016, G1 Final 2017, and then the trip you went on with Dominion me, and Best of Dominion and Best Super Junior Final 2019. So my first Tokyo Dome. I don't know why. I just it did never. I don't know. I always wanted to go different times a year. This is why, like your tenth Tokyo Dome or something, probably. <laughs> I think it's probably my sixth Tokyo Dome. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you've you've gone to every one since. No, I didn't go to Wrestle Kingdom fifteen. So that was twenty nineteen. No, no, I went to twenty nineteen. Oh. I, I didn't go to the one with. Um, Night, well, the one when Naito lost the title. Oh, yeah, yeah, three years ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that would be 2021. So that was a two-day. Why didn't you go? It just didn't feel like it. Clap crowds. Uh, no, like, I think actually 2021 was the year I went to the most wrestling shows. Okay, that is weird. <laughs> well, I only moved here in 2018. Um, I just, there was nothing else to do in Tokyo in 2021. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that actually runs is like, Wrestling, everyone else is just shut down still. You just didn't feel, feel it that year, I guess. Well, I think I was actually on this podcast in 2020 after the G1, uh-huh. and I was very down on New Japan at the time. I think 2021 is the one year I didn't go to a single New Japan show. Wow. Wait, so it's the year you went to the most wrestling shows, but you didn't go to a single New Japan show? I went to Seedling a lot. <laughs> I went to... Actress girls. I went to all. Oh, we saw some actress girls. We saw some actress girls. I I think this was before actress girls became sports entertainment. I think this was when they Uh, were still good, honest to god pro wrestling, not scripted. Yeah. No, but like in in this case, it's also about like the weird like all Japan actress girls like. Yeah, but that's because that's because causing Shuji Ishikawa to leave. But that's because actress girls are scripted now. It's not pro wrestling. Oh yeah, no, it's a performance that looks like pro wrestling. Yes, no, pro wrestling would never be scripted, as everyone knows. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, so you went to a lot of shows (laughs) in 2021, but not the Tokyo Dome. so you're, it'll be great because you've, you've obviously had a lot of different live experiences of the Dome. Uh, obviously, this was my first one and Paul's first one. I guess we could like start with the whole live experience, right? I mean, that's should, probably why people are listening to this over the myriad other Tokyo Dome reviews. So you get to the Dome. It's fucking packed outside. You've been to Tokyo Domes that were more well-attended than this one, probably. Could you tell the difference outside the Dome? Like No, I think like this year it seemed pretty packed outside the Dome. Like It felt more packed than last year. I mean, like it was more well-attended than last year, if I'm not mistaken. This year's attendance apparently was 27,422. Yeah, only about like a thousand people more. Yeah. So a thousand more than last year, yeah. So the most attended show I would have been to would have been Wrestle Kingdom 14, which I think had 40,000 for the first night. Yeah. I mean, like... An extra 10,000 people in that area, you're not going to tell the difference. It's like uh, already a a huge amount of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did it beat the Kenny Okada one or no? Uh, It beat Kenny Okada. It beat Kenny Okada. What was Kenny Okada? That was 26,000 as well. 26,000 as well. Okay. Because it beat. It's a little disappointing of a number though, because I think it beat the Kenny Okada. It sold out the floor seats, the Arena A and B, a week before Kenny Okada did. So I kind of thought they were going to hit 30. But I guess the walk up wasn't. Yeah, that wasn't. 
Yeah, woke up. I mean, the thing I can say, like, I arrived, like, a little later than you guys did because I didn't watch the Rambo. Like, I arrived for, like, showtime. Like, I was in the arena at 4.15 p.m., so, like, 15 minutes before, like, the main card started. And there was just no line at the door anymore. Oh, uh, I gotcha. Yeah, that's a, that'll do it then, I guess. But it still looks like a shit ton of people. It's the point. Yeah. I mean, when, you, when you get to the dome, that fucking merch line. I had no idea what that line was at first because it's like just this enormous line of people going up to this giant tent. Yeah. And I'm just like, is this for ticket sales? I'm just like, what the fuck is this? And then Andrew was the one who told me, I think. Yeah, I yeah, like, I yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, what is this line? You're like, oh, that's merch. And I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. I've never seen a line, even like AEW shows, which famously have really long merch lines. I don't know mm-hmm. why because they, they don't bring any fucking merch to the shows. Yeah. But like they usually do have really long merch lines. Nothing compared to this. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, I can actually give a very good comparison because this merch line, because I also saw it, like that merch line was way longer than the merch line at All In. Oh, yeah, because you were there. Yeah. So, like, I was at All In, and also it was way easier to get in and out of the arena <laughs> at uh, the Tokyo Dome than it was at All In. Like, that that was definitely way better organized than Japan. Oh, yeah, because you guys went through the general. I have no idea what the general line is like. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So, getting to seating now. Um, I had royal seats. Nicole and I had royal seats. We had the third row ringside. That was like the most money I was willing to spend. Because once you get up to... Row three was 80,000 yen. I think row... Which is obviously already very expensive. Row two, I think it jumped to 120,000 yen. Even, and then, even with the exchange rate, that's bad. And then row one was 200,000 yen. So these people say in row one, I'm like, okay, you're rich, I guess. Because yeah. like, how are you... But yeah, I'm... For row three, it's like, it's expensive. But then the next category down, you get anything from row four to six. That was the last mm-hmm. royal seat category. I think that was still 60,000 yen. So I'm like, okay, I'm paying an extra 20,000 yen to guarantee row three. And then instead of playing the lottery with which row I get. Because obviously if I get row four, that's not that big of a difference. But then you get row six. That's a pretty big difference. I mean, mm-hmm. we we did the generic royal seats for New Year's Dash tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we got stuck with row, row yeah. six, which I think is the back row. So... Yeah, row one traditionally before this year was fifty thousand yen. I was considering doing it this year. I was yeah, like, no, okay, no. I'm 50, gonna pay fifty. I would have thought about it. Yeah, yeah. but no, eighty. Now this year they're like two hundred thousand. Yeah, no. So yeah, the other ticket prices were not that much higher though, right? Like the tic- I think the ticket prices for the rest of the building were pretty normal. No, New Japan has been putting up prices a lot for like the royal seats right. and also extending the definition of royal seat. Yeah. So, like, maybe five years ago, royal seat meant you're getting the front row. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Whereas now, if you buy a royal seat, that means you could be in row six. Like yes. we are tomorrow. Because, yeah. <laughs> for example, at, like, All Japan, if you buy, like, the premium seat, like, their highest category, that means you are in the first row. Yeah, I think that's, like, a general trend across Japan. Like, originally ringside meant you were... Ringside, ringside yeah. <laughs> and then they introduced the category of special ringside, and then premium and was, yeah. seat, and then royal seat. And now, like, royal seat doesn't mean you're in the front row anymore. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting. Um, the royal seats did come with a couple of perks. First of all, you had a priority entrance lane, which you were the one who told me about that first. I appreciate that. But basically, instead of having to go through, like, the giant mass of people to get into a regular gate... They just had a much shorter line that opened. Well, they sat at 245, but it ended up being 250. And we basically got right in the building. Like, we were, we were the first people in the building, basically. Like, there was nobody else in there when we got in. Um, 
and then you get to keep your chair. You get to take your chair home, which is an idea they blatantly have stolen from WWE. Because I remember all the way back at King of the Ring 2001, uh, my dad bought me, because obviously I was still very much underage at the time. King of the Ring 2001, my dad bought me a ringside ticket uh, at the Meadowlands as like a birthday present or something. You probably paid like $100 for it at the time. <laughs> and they, it was the same thing. You'd get to keep the seat. You would like take the seat home with you to have like all the wrestlers on it. So they've been doing that for a long. I don't know if they still do that or not. I've no, I've not been to a WWE show period in like fifteen years, let alone to know whether or not uh, in ringside. But yeah, so that's an idea they took from WWE probably, and it also came with like an autographed, um, like a block. I guess I haven't I haven't looked at it yet, but it's like it it feels heavy. But it's like an autograph of Naito and Sonata, mm. so that everybody got that gift. The front row people. Also got a seat cushion on top oh, of God. the seat. And those people got the best gift of all because my ass fucking hurt <laughs> by the end of the show. You know, it's not a short show. Not Noah Long, but it was still like, what, four hours and 20? Yeah, close to like that. four and a half. So yeah. I remember sitting there with Nicole and Nicole being very jealous of the seat cushion people all night. So we were we were both very jealous of them because I was going to write two rows ahead of you. Um, they also weirdly like... They took us to a weird exit, too. So, I don't know how to describe this. Nicole, this could be your run on the podcast cause, to describe this. We, so they keep mentioning, they know that we're World Seat customers, right? Because we're carrying our chairs. Mm. Not that everybody took their chair, but they keep motioning for us to come this way and this way. So, they took us through that passageway on the first floor um, of the Tokyo Dome, which is like the, they call it Gourmet Road or something, with like all the uh, food stands. Yeah. And... They keep motioning us to follow them, and we're like, okay. And suddenly we're in a line to get out, but it's like a very short line because, again, it's only Royal Seat people. And they take us to this chamber. I don't know how to describe it, but a chamber, right? I mean, yeah, it's this little side room. I thought initially because everyone was holding their chairs that it was like a room for us to shift the chairs. Yeah. So I was just like, why is there a line of people holding their chairs? What could this be? Yeah. <laughs> and eventually we get to like this. So, okay. I don't know how to describe this. It's like a little box, basically where the in between the entrance and exit, they won't open the exit doors until everybody gets through the entrance door, and then they close it like you're sealed in there. Yeah, it's, it's nice to keep the warmth in, but I don't understand the point. And then they open the exit doors and let everybody out at once once the box is full. Oh, it's not to keep the warmth in. It's okay. because the Tokyo Dome becomes yeah. a wind tunnel. Like uh, it literally, if you open those both those doors, you're getting pushed out by the wind. Yes, because that's actually what happened to me. So basically, so I was on the floor as well, but I was in Arena B. So I was on the twenty third row. Uh-huh. But when they were like uh, right behind us, yeah, right, right behind. Like that's yeah, the yeah. funny thing. Like I was like right behind you guys, like twenty rows right behind. Yeah, yeah twenty rows behind you. Because we were on the we were on the south side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, when they were like motioning us out, they were like because normally when you come in, you just kind of walk down the steps like from the top, like all the way down to the field, and you get to your seat. But when they were motioning us out, we actually stayed on the ground floor, and we just went to this like ground floor tunnel essentially and then they kind of motioned us out on the other side because i basically because you guys exited on like the corican hall side yeah yeah whereas i exited on the corican station side and for the people that haven't been there yet corican station is counterintuitively on the other side of the dome from yeah, corican yeah. hall yeah um, for the chicken place we went to yes uh, so yeah. basically when you move out of there the people at the exit tell you be careful there's wind, and then when you actually exit the building, you literally like the wind 
pushes you out I of see. the building. So that's why they did that. The royal yes. seat people were too fancy to get, get pushed, pushed, by pushed, pushed by the wind. <laughs> so they were like, okay, we're going to put you in this little chamber and close the doors behind you. And then once it's filled, we'll open the entrance doors or the exit doors in this case. And you can all exit without getting pushed by the wind. That's really funny. I'm glad I have an explanation for it now because I'm like, why are we being cr- piled in this box and waiting till it's full and then opening? No, the door? it was literally a pressure chamber. Yeah, <laughs> literally yeah. getting depressurized. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I've been buffeted by that wind enough times. <laughs> uh, so you had balcony, balcony yes. stand, right? That's so I'm going to tell you about the seats that Japanese fans don't want you to know about, them, foreigners. <laughs> So, the balcony seats, they're only available in the fan club pre-sale, because they go in the fan club pre-sale. They only cost 13,000 yen. They are comfortable leather seats. They are the season ticket holders for the Tokyo Dome, Tokyo Giants baseball games. You get a great view of the ring. Of course, you're up in the stands. If it's your first time in the dome, you might want to be closer to the action than this, but... If you've been five or six times like me, you know this is a fine view. And not only that, you get a bathroom not five seconds walk from your seat. You get a bar, a whiskey bar, not five seconds walk from your seat. And behind you, you get tables and chairs to go sit on. So if Tama Tonga and Shingo Takagi are having another match, you can go sit there with your lunch or your dinner and enjoy that. Well, the match ended up being good, but we'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, the it looks almost like a suite in an American arena. Like that's when you showed me, when I figured out where that was, because it's basically directly between the first floor stand and the second floor yes. stand. And it's very few rows. It's like only like four or five rows of five seats. Rows, five rows. Five rows of seats. And it's very, it looks like an arena suite, like what we called arena suites back in... Back in uh, America, so it's it looks great. I'm, I honestly, if I ever do a dome again, I'll probably sit there because it, it seems like a great seat. I think it is arena suites for the baseball games. Yeah, yeah. Because the bars are obviously really fancy, but because it's a Wrestle Kingdom show, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden they have to add. Also, you can get Pringles. <laughs> <laughs> How can, much? Oh, sorry. What were we gonna say? Well, you can get like your whiskey. You can get your champagne, but you can get. Pringles. And, oh man, that uh, sounds like a great combination: Pringles and champagne. But yeah, it's like you said, because there's so few of them, because there's only five rows. It sells out in the pre in the fan club presale. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing I used to get the third row ticket. I know they did have some limited ringside in the international presale, apparently, because um, I saw a lot. I did see a bunch of the foreigners ringside for this show, which they never used to do that before. So I assume with the jacked up prices, the Ringside is not selling quite as quickly. I guess New Japan yeah. stopped telling foreigners to drop dead. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, but I also feel like because I bought my thing through just like the official like foreigner like sale. Yeah. And I feel like they packed all of them in like the same kind of area because like pretty much everyone around me was a foreigner. Yeah, yeah they put sense. the foreigners. If you buy from yeah, the yeah. foreigner pre-sale, you're going to be sat with other foreigners, which yeah. you can decide yourself whether you appreciate that or don't yeah. appreciate that it wasn't the same experience right going to it Japanese. was weird like uh, some of them were good some of them were like a bit weird yeah i didn't i wouldn't like there that. was just one dude like right next to me who was nice but then the guy on the other side of me and this girlfriend were like i don't know they, i don't know i really don't know because for a while i thought they thought that wrestling was real <laughs> but like then they also said that they were there for like fucking danielson's debut in corican uh, okay. So I'm like, I don't know where to put you. <laughs> what? What? How much were we gonna be, by the way? Might as well complete. The... Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I think it was like 8,000? 8, 8, okay. Yeah, seventy-eight thousand. I think it was. Okay. Yeah. So 
for people who don't know yen, by the way, that's like eighty. Well, no, that's because of the exchange rate being so bad. It used to it's like be fifty dollars US yes. or something. Yeah. So like eight, my eighty thousand yen, I think was like five sixty US, which is funny because they rip the fucking fans off if you buy them through the international. Oh market. yeah, yeah. Same, yeah. It was the same thing for Noah. Because if you buy the same tickets that cost me five sixty US, I think they were charging seven hundred US through yeah. the international yeah. piece. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, so those are our seats. I mean, look. The experience, we, we Paul and I talk about it a lot on the All Japan audio we already recorded. That's going to go at the end of this podcast. But like the experience of being at a Japanese wrestling event is just so much better than the experience of being at an American wrestling event. Yeah. I, have you ever been to America at all? I don't even know. I've been to America, but I haven't been to an American wrestling show. Don't go. I've, I've don't been go. to a Brit wrestling show. Okay. It's probably uh, the same shit, except they sing more. Uh, it's different. Okay. Like, I mean, it's more like <laughs> European wrestling in, in general, which uh, I think we can speak on. Yeah. Which is... There is chanting, but it's different than American. It's probably better. It's probably better. It's I don't probably... think it's better. Okay. I think I would prefer to go to an American show than a British show. No, no. I mean, I have done American show as well. One American show, and I, I, I think, like Euro, Euro chanting can get very self indulgent. Yeah. But the problem though is, do you guys have the crowd comedians too or no? Yeah, Rev Pro oh, definitely uh, fucking uh, had crowd yeah, comedians. Yeah, that sucks then. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, the crowd to me that is the number one worst thing about going to American wrestling shows: the crowd comedians. I never, if I could never sit next to a crowd comedian again for the rest of my life, it'll be too soon. Now, to be fair, okay, I didn't have a crowd comedian, but okay, so I also went to the All Japan Show and won free, right? Yeah. So for the Dempsey match. There was one dude there, and it was a Japanese guy because I found him where he sat in the crowd. Because I was like, should I just like start an international incident? Anyway, uh, so like I saw him, and he was like trying to start like fucking WWE chants like a couple <laughs> of times. He kind of gave up halfway through the match because he realized that only like five people were like joining in. But still, I was like, oh man, fuck you! <laughs> I hate you. I think if you come to Japan this time of year, you're going to get. Americans or British people in the crowd who drew tried to start those American British chants. I was in the dome last year during Osprey Omega, and I could hear Americans trying to start a "This is awesome" chant. <laughs> if if they had actually tried that in Corican like yesterday, I would have just walked out. But yeah. luckily, it never got there. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, the experience of attending shows in Japan is way better. That's pretty much all it comes down to. I mean, the people there are there to watch wrestling. And, you know, call do the calls for their fucking, whoever they're cheering for. And it's just a much better atmosphere. You don't, you don't have to deal with, like, obviously the crowd comedians. And, like, they'll, they'll sit there with silence, too. Which, obviously, the Young Bucks used to use at the spin and say, oh, Japanese crowds are so quiet. But, like, they're much more willing to sit there with a little bit of quiet, like, during grappling and stuff. Mm-hmm. Without feeling like they absolutely have to fill it with, like, nonstop noise. Yeah. And like a, you know, otherwise the crowd is quote unquote dead. So it's a very different mindset. No, I, mean, I think you can notice when a crowd is dead or when a crowd is kind of quiet to appreciate what they watch. Yeah. yeah, there's a difference between the enraptured quiet and the I don't give a fuck yeah. quiet. Yeah, yeah, All right. So anything else about the live experience where I get into the actual show? Well, I could talk a lot about the live experience, but I don't think you want to hear about my last five years. No, I, I just think in general, what I appreciated was like just the food selection on the oh, uh, yeah. on the restaurant row, because they like because generally, right, if you go to like a big arena, 
all of the food stalls just have the same thing, right? Whereas if you actually go to like the gourmet like row in Tokyo Dome, there's like a bunch of different shit that you, like you can get what like you can't just get you can just get more than just like your standard like fucking chicken fingers. Like when I was there, I actually went and got food twice. Like I got like a slice of pizza, and I got like uh like basically like steak sandwiches as well. So yeah, no, the I food specs is really good. I didn't do any of the foods. I can't talk to that. I just yeah, did, I just did drinks. We had um, the drinks are so much cheaper than American arenas. Holy shit. <laughs> We had a uh, yakitori and yakisoba. Yeah. Nobody got the new Japan burger though, because that looked fucking <laughs> rancid. <laughs> looks so fucking weird. Why would you? I don't know. I think like if we're talking about the food in the dome, one thing we should probably warn listeners about is that, as opposed to the rest of Japan, where it's a very cash-friendly society, Tokyo Dome is cashless only. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the only thing in Tokyo I've ever come. Whereas in back in New York, everything is cashless now. I mean, like. The arenas but just like random restaurants just everything is cashless so that's not anything i'm not used to but yeah i can like msg is cashless now yankee stadium like just any arena you can think of it's been that way for years yeah you can use your uh, train pass yeah. to buy drinks that's what my friend steven was doing even though he lives here he doesn't have pay pay which is like the japanese equivalent of having wait. a credit card <laughs> i didn't even know he wait he lives here and he still doesn't have it why uh he doesn't have pay, pay uh, steven sorry if you're listening to this uh he doesn't have pay pay because you have to link it to your bank account and he doesn't want his wife to know what he's spending stuff on <laughs> well that's sus <laughs> he uh, goes to a lot of snm bars so <laughs> uh yeah anyway so yeah that's the live experience uh I was we were also right behind Walker, by the way. Walker and Chris Charlton. I mean, mm-hmm. I was right behind them. You were twenty rows back behind me. <laughs> I mean, technically, yes. I was also right behind them. <laughs> yeah, but that was kind of cool. I mean, I would see all the Japanese commentators switching out too. Um, you know, Makabe came in at one point. I think Chono. Yeah, they switched the out end. every match. Yeah, they switched out every match. Um, there were they, some a lot of random people showing up at that too. All right, let's get to the actual matches. First of all, we'll start the main event. Work our way down. Uh, the main event was, of course, Tetsuya Naito defeating Sonata in 25-42 to become the, I think, eighth. Yes, eighth IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Tenth, if you count evil, is the eighth. That's champion. true. That's true. <laughs> um, this is a match I was very nervous about leading up to the show. Um, you could see that energy in the, the preview I wrote on Voice of Wrestling if people anyone read it. But, like, you know, I, I was... Talking myself into Naito winning, it was the right move. But, like, if you paid attention to the, like, the story during the build-up, it really fucking felt like Sonata had to win this match. I don't think that's really, like, a, um, you know, a weird opinion. Now, they, they did something in the post-match, I think, to try to make Sonata look good. And it kind of worked, actually. Mm-hmm. But, like, watching the, the build-up was basically, like, this asshole... Won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, that's the whole build about how, like, Sonata doesn't matter and his destiny is, his uh, dream is stupid and talking about the fucking, uh, you know, the the, tr- the public tryout that he passed. It's not a, uh, or he failed and Naito passed and how now the one who failed is champion. Naito was like, well, that's stupid. Did you watch the interview Naito did from the baseball field? Yeah, they're like, this is a dream for yeah. you, but it doesn't matter to anyone else. <laughs> like, when they cut to Naito, that was, like, one of the most brutal burials. Because he's just, like, he laughs it off so badly. I'm just like, you're making this guy look like a fucking geek. So it almost felt like Sinatra had to fucking, like, you know, show his vision of pro wrestling and beat this guy to not come off, like, the biggest dork of all time. Well, that- 
<laughs> then you get to the dome, and God bless Sonata. I am not very hard on Sonata. I like Sonata. He got no reaction coming no. out of the Tokyo Dome. I mean, like, where I was sitting at ringside, maybe it was better in different sections. Eventually, we did hear a few Sonata calls. But, like, and I think they tried to get a Sonata chance started a couple times and just got shouted down by the Naito people. But, like, when he was coming out, you could hear crickets at ringside. Naito came out. Everybody's behind Naito. They clearly want to see this fucking roll call. And I almost feel like the entrance video spoiled it again. Mm. Remember four years ago when Naito came out for the Double Dome? With and the, the Persona en- 5 the entrance. Persona 5 entrance. But it had that, like, scoreboard where it's, like, New Japan uh, top of the ninth one and then Naito bottom of the ninth two. And it was, like, two X's and, like, he won both belts. Mm. It kind of gave away that he was going to win both belts. And then he, of course, did and, you know, had that, that entrance video made sense. This time, the entrance video was all like, I'm about to do the roll call. <laughs> and it's like, damn, I'm on up there. I'm like, okay. He gave away. The entrance video gave away again. The, the custom new entrance video they started with the Tokyo kind of gave away that he's going to do the roll call. So I felt less nervous about that. But when Hiromu lost to <laughs> El Desperado on the undercard, I was like, oh, shit. He's fu- Naito's fucking losing. Because why take the belt off Hiromu? If uh, you're gonna, if Naito's gonna win the title, don't you want to do Naito Hiromu with the anniversary show? There are there are two months of shows to get to where Hiromu could win the belt. I back. mean, or if Naito's still the champion by then, or Naito could lose the belt before then too. That's true. So um, either way, we'll see what happens. But the point is that Despar- that Desperado beating Hiromu when Hiromu talked so much about the entrance record. I mean, the defense record. Just really, like, set me up where I'm just like, okay, Naito's fucking losing this main event now. (laughs) Well, I spent the whole show trying to make my friend Steven panic because he's, like, the biggest Naito fan I know. Maybe not including (laughs) you. He he and I can be tied, I guess. Um, Well, I also went to Wrestle Kingdom 14 with Aaron, who is also a very huge Naito fan. I know a lot of big Naito fans, but I spent the whole show being like, oh, all the champions... Have lost their belts. <laughs> Maybe Naito's losing. <laughs> yeah, surely they're going to break that uh, streak finally in the main event. I had that thought too. But I don't know, Paul, did you ever like start downing or no? No. Okay. No, so just... uh, like I was kind of joking earlier, like in the Slack or whatever, but like, no, I, I never had any doubt that like Naito was like not winning this because it just wouldn't have made any sense. Like this Sonata reign has gone on for so far. Like this is the longest transitional reign like ever. Well, like because it's not it a actually, transitional reign. It, because it actually beat the fucking Jake Lee reign with the GHC title. That is crazy. Yeah. Is. <laughs> so like, like I was like, well, what the fuck else are you gonna do with Sonata if he wins? Like, what is who is actually the logical person to beat Sonata if it's not Naito? Like, there is no actual logical person to end this reign if it's not Naito. So to me, there was never any doubt Naito was gonna beat him here. Yeah. So the match itself. um it started a little bit slow, and you could, I thought they were going longer than 25 minutes based on how the opening match uh, pace went. It got When it got good, I thought it got really good. And then they like botched a couple of things, which <laughs> unfortunately, like, they, was, yeah. they couldn't get a, over for like a Destino that was like a counter Destino. Mm. And, you know, there was, I don't know whose fault it was. I wasn't really paying close enough attention to the mechanics of the move. But, you know, I mean, they, they, this kind of thing has happened with the two of them before, mm. though. I remember that one G one match. They had like a bots destino or something. Mm-hmm. I think of the twenty nineteen one um, or twenty eighteen. One of those two. Um, so you know there is a um, 
you know, they, they, there was like a, a, some sloppiness there with the mm-hmm. Destinos and stuff. I thought they covered for it kind of well, though. Like, Naito immediately started, like, elbowing him and just kind of acted like it was part of the struggle. So they're pros. They, they made up for it. And I thought by the end of this match, I don't know if it was just the sheer drama or, like, my heart in my, in my throat, like, is Naito actually going to lose this? Did your friend, like, kind of explode up when Naito won? That's, oh, that's... everyone in my section okay. did. The whole balcony <laughs> was on their feet. <laughs> I mean, the ringside people don't like to stand. I noticed, I assume, because they don't want to block all these people behind them. Well, there's uh, nobody behind us, exactly. apart from the tables where the people who didn't give a shit were sitting <laughs> drinking. <laughs> but I, I did kind of jump up for a second before I'm like, okay, I better sit back down. But yeah, everybody was very happy, obviously, when Naito won that match. And uh, yeah, it, uh, the drama of it, I think, really, you know... Got me, got through the end. I like, I love Naito doing the deadfall. By the way, that was oh yeah, that, oh, was, that was that, really that cool. got a great pop. It actually looked better than like when. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I the only thing I was the other thing they did really well with this match layout is they didn't really have Naito kick out of the deadfall, which like yeah. they, he did it once, but like he I, he took did he I can't remember he covered. I know he was down for a while. I, I don't think there was a cover. Yeah, I don't think yeah, there was no, an actual yeah, cover. Yeah. So he hit him with it once, but he was so out of it he couldn't actually cover. Yeah. Um, if there was a cover, it was way later. And so Naito kicking out was fine, but I don't think there was a cover at all. Um, I did not take notes, by the way, since obviously mm-hmm. we were there live, so going off of memory. But yeah, the so I liked that. And they, it kind of kept it in the back of my head where I'm like, uh, uh, if he hits another deadfall now, he's going to fucking win. Yeah. So that was, it did add to the drama at the end, and, you know, just a very good match layout there. I ended up going four stars flat on it. Um, I thought it was still a great match, even though it had its issues and they had the little botches and stuff. So, uh, yeah, Naito winning, obviously the right call. Crab was very happy. We can get in the post-match, but any thoughts on the match? Yeah, itself? I mean, maybe one of the things that, like, kind of to add to that is kind of with the botches for the Destino... So kind of one of the things I was thinking about kind of like, I mean, obviously like Naito having like knee issues is, is like a meme at this point because it's been like people have been talking about Naito having no knees for like, what, like 10 years at this it's point? It's been a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, I, I feel like we're actually kind of slowly but surely getting there. And what I feel like, like, because the the final Destino, right, he did, he did the rope assisted like Destino yeah. to like finish him off, right? And I feel like that's probably the way to go for him long term yeah to actually be able to pull like i get that at that point it's just a sheer annoy but like i think at this point that's probably the way he has to go to actually like keep it in his arsenal yeah because i think the botches were on the ones where he didn't use the ropes yeah and i think there was definitely one of them there where like it 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 at least to me from where i was sitting it looked like it was on night or just he could not go. being able yeah, to do yeah. the full rotation yeah um yeah, but otherwise, I mean, I don't know. To me, it was definitely disappointing as far as the domain event goes. Like It was better than White and Okada last year. Yeah, I mean, that's not hard, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, but I, I didn't rate the match, but it's also because I don't rate matches below four. So, like, it just didn't get to that level for me. So I'm just not going to give it a rating... I mean, actually disappointing is maybe not even... Like, I guess maybe it performed within my expectations because I didn't even really go in with high expectations, to be quite honest. Like, my thing going into the match was, like, I'm here for the roll call. That's what I'm here for. I'm here. I want to do the roll call. I, like, Sonata's going to lose. Give the shit. And, like, I just don't 
really care about Sonata and I think I've earned the right to not give a shit about Sonata because <laughs> I've watched this man since he was a young boy in all Japan. I watched this man when he was the great Sonata in TNA. I watched <laughs> him in fucking Wrestle 1. I watched him in big Japan doing the strong climb. That was so funny. The strong climb right before he, like the before week he joined before New, he jumped New Japan. New Japan yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think at this point I've earned the right to not give a shit about Sonata. I don't think I saw the strong, <laughs> was he any good in that strong climb? I, yeah, I, was, I mean, he, I mean, he was Sonata. My, he yeah, was yeah, Sonata, yeah. yes. <laughs> I loved the match. I was frightened that Sonata was going to win, and then Naito won, and I was happy. <laughs> there you go. What a reveal. Um, but everybody, everybody was thrilled, obviously, with the win. Okay, the post-match, I thought was brilliant. The post-match yes. is perfect. So Absolutely perfect. Naito wins. These motherfuckers, Evo and Dick Togo, <laughs> were waiting. They did not pull a Kenta. They were like, we're jumping him immediately. Yeah. They fucking hit the ring immediately. I was so angry. It was actually good heat. Actually, and the crowd was like, oh my God. The cr- the, all, all ringside was so angry. They were. I thought they were going to storm the fucking ring. I don't think the perfect part of it was like Dick Togo was wearing his hoodie. So everyone thought like, oh, it's a new guy. It's a new yeah. guy. And then it's just Dick I Togo. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Evil and Dick I Togo, thought that was you, yeah, actually. Uh, they're beating the piss out of Naito, and there's no LIJ to save him because they're all selling their losses. They all got beat the shit out of yeah. Bushi wasn't there for some reason. <laughs> Bushi wasn't there for some reason. Um, and finally, Sonata hits the ring. He clears the ring of Evil and Dick Togo. The crowd goes fucking crazy for this. You have never heard Sonata get cheered more in his entire life. Than when he saved Naito yes. from even Dick Togo. The biggest Sonata chant in history breaks out. Everybody is so fucking happy. And I don't know what Naito said to Sonata. I haven't looked up any translation yet. But, you know, I see, he definitely said thank you in, in Spanish. And, you know, Sonata was like crying on his way up the ramp, too. I'm like, I don't know if they made, made TV or not, but like he. No, oh, no, it was on the video. Oh, screen, you're right. It was right? on the yeah, video. It wasn't a video skin. Yeah, yeah. He was like really, he was really, really crying. So um, I don't know what that was. If that was just the emotion of making it all the way to Tokyo Dome main, you know, because who the fuck thought this guy was going to ever made it at Tokyo Dome? I don't know if that was just like I lost to this guy again, you know. Um, I think it really was a combination. I think it was just everything catching up to him. Yeah, really. he was like bawling. Yeah, I think everyone cries after losing in the Tokyo Dome main event. Now it's not really, yeah. <laughs> it's not really anything special. Maybe. Jay White does it, but yeah. I don't know, this one seemed a bit more genuine. He right? did seem yeah. like really like yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like it seemed more genuine than like for example when Okada lost to Tanahashi, right? Yeah, because that was like like there was like stage crying basically. Yeah, yeah. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, oh, you know who didn't cry when he lost the main event? Okada and Naito. He just did the... Oh, yeah. I think he was a little upset. No, he did the fist bump. Yeah, he did, but he looked, uh, he looked like a okay. little teary-eyed. Um, but yeah, so that was that was the point. And then Naito, obviously, nobody else came out. Kenta was not flown in for this. So there, <laughs> there was a Kent, in Florida. <laughs> there was a Kenta cosplayer outside the Tokyo Dome that I saw. There was he a Sonata cosplayer. There was a Naito one. There were a lot of cosplayers. Well, the Naito cosplayer looked about 60, and the Sonata <laughs> cosplayer looked about 10. So. <laughs> there was a Nakamura cosplay as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it's the same guy who's always there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the... And it, 
I lost my train of thought, sorry. So Nigel does, the, nobody else runs in. There's no Kenta, nobody else comes out. Nigel gets to do the roll call. Everybody goes home, home happy. So great end of the show, obviously. And now I don't know what Naito's motivation is going to be anymore because well, this is it. Now. I don't think this is going to be a long reign. Like, I, I think I think the story is over. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. They actually well they, now they the story will be the story. now the story will be how do we get the Naito Roma match? Why do we, do we need to go there? I don't know. Hiromu <laughs> could just challenge him. He challenged yeah, Sonata. That's true. <laughs> Uh, the semi-main was Kazuchika Okada defeating Brian Danielson in 23-24, the Rainmaker. I, it's close for this in the junior title match, which I really liked and seems like nobody else uh, liked as much as I did. But, yeah, this I gave four and a half. I love this match. I mean, look, I was in the building for the Okada-Danielson Forbidden Door match. This destroyed that match. I mean, no live bias here because, again, I was live for both of them. And if anything, I, I mean, I will watch this show back eventually. And Okada Danielson in the building, I thought was like, okay, you know. And then I watched it back and I was like, oh, this really wasn't even as good as I thought it was in the building. <laughs> so um, they really made up for it this time. I felt like even before the injury happened last time, mm-hmm. Okada had this feel of like, how do I work with this much smaller man? <laughs> it's like, how often does Okada work with a junior heavyweight sized guy? I mean, it's... You know, it's pretty rare, right? In a singles match like that. I mean, you know, he did that Marty Scroll match at uh, all the original All at, All In, oh, then, yeah. and which I also was there for. And <laughs> not that I'm bragging about being there for that match because that match was not very good. But um, and went long <laughs> and went really long. So like, yeah, he always that that match had the same problem where he felt like he was like, how do I work with this much smaller man who also turned out to be a sexual predator. This time it's like, how do I work with this much smaller man? I think they, you know, again, they, they had those problems at Forbidden Door. And I felt like they kind of got the kinks out by this time. Mm-hmm. And they just had it be more of a map-based match. Um, you know, they, 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 well, the grappling they did. They, I mean, last time they did more of a map-based match is what I meant to say. And then this time they did the grappling, but the grappling they did felt more impactful. And it was much more focused on the arm because the entire story uh of the arm-based offense and trying to break his arm just like he broke his arm last time and uh, so he couldn't do the Rainmaker. So they, the grappling felt more focused and Brian just kind of like was throwing knees a lot more. You know, he did the Bushiaku knee, I feel like three or four times in this match and just, I don't know, felt like they were much more comfortable mm-hmm. working together this time than last time. What'd you guys think? Yeah, no. Well, obviously I wasn't in Canada for Forbidden Door, because <laughs> why would I go to Canada? But, um, yeah, this match felt a lot bigger. I definitely agree with that. Even before the match, watching just the press conference, the hype videos, this felt a lot bigger than the Forbidden Door match, because that it actually had a reason to happen beyond it's a dream match. I thought, like, the match was fantastic. I thought they did everything right. Danielson looked like a threat to Okada. I thought the grappling was great. I thought the strikes were great. That's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, no, I, I love this match. I, I mean, I was actually one of the people that was pretty high on the Forbidden Door match, even though I wasn't there live. Like, I actually went four stars on that one. I think I originally went four and a quarter mm-hmm. when I was in, there in person and then downgraded to, like, three and a half when I watched <laughs> it back. No, I mean, I watched it back because I knew, like, Dennison got injured. And I was like, no, this is a really good match for the fact that someone in there is wrestling the match with a broken arm. No, but this was way better, obviously. Like, I won full five. 
because I okay so the thing here is this is probably the only time most likely that I will get to see like two of my current like top five all-time wrestlers like in the ring obviously that might change in the future as maybe other people get in there or whatever get higher up on the list when you see Dolph Ziggler versus David Finley. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but like, uh, because Okada is like my Kamiyoshi, right? Like, he's my number one all time. And like, Danielson, like, he's probably at the fifth spot at the moment, funnily enough. Because like, if I think about it, like my top five probably right now is like, it's Okada's number one, Hansen's number two, then it's Nego Casas, then it's Misawa, and then it's Danielson. So realistically, Okada's still active, Hansen is retired, uh, Negro Casas is still active, but he's kind of fallen off a bit. Misawa's fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> and Dennison's still active. For so, now, for now. Yeah, exactly. So it's like really like, so for right now, that's the only chance to see two of my top fives live. And, you know, I, I just absolutely loved like every single fucking second of this. I thought this was just like a very well built match. Uh, like it is definitely like my match of the year so far, because it's one of the things that I keep banging on about of the award winning Emerald Flow Show is... One thing that is really important for me for match ratings is that I need an emotional investment. Like, right, that was probably one of the things that kind of kept me down a bit on the main event, is that, like like I said, I just don't give a shit about Sonata. Um, so the emotional investment just wasn't there for the match, whereas the emotional investment very much was here for this match, because these are two people that I just love, and that's why, to me, that was just a good well, see, match. See, I don't get it, though. Wouldn't you sell emotional investment because you don't want Sonata to fucking win? That's what, like, I thought. I mean, like, I do, like... <laughs> you just him, didn't think it, that... I just didn't think he was, okay. right? Like, it was, like, even when they did the near falls, I was like, eh. I worked myself into a shit with it, because I really thought... Okay, to be way. fair, I kind of had that <laughs> for very brief moments for Nakajima versus Dempsey, so I kind of yeah. get where you're coming from. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, were, you were rooting for Dempsey, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Fucking... <laughs> uh, third from the top was David Finley pinning Will Ospreay. A little bit of a surprise, I think. 22-17 to become the new the first IWGP Global Heavyweight Champion in the Global Title Three Way match. Um that did you see I mean, I'm sure you did. When when he came out and it had those words across the top, one of them was like savior of the company. Yes. And that was so fucking funny. Destroyer of championships. Just, savior of the company. There was one more too. What the hell was it? Oh, just leader of Bullet Club. I yes. guess some people didn't know that. Because uh, there are like 5,000 Bullet Club sub-factions, so you may not legitimately not know who the fuck the leader of this thing is supposed I, to be at this point. It's baffling that we actually have more Bullet Club like, sub-factions than we ever had like NWO sub-factions. It's really weird. Well, does the Rogue Army still exist? Uh, I don't think Jack Bonzo might be allowed to anymore. Um, look, I, I think the, the Finley haters have to eat some crow on this one. He was in there with Osprey and Moxley... And he looked great. Like, I thought he that was, like, his best performance. Like, he's had really good matches before, um, mostly with really good workers like Osprey. But, like, I thought that was his best individual performance, um, probably in New Japan. Maybe maybe at least the only one I can think of is the singles match he had with Juice Robinson uh, in 2022. I remember really, really liking him, the G1. That might be the only other one I can think of, but that was as a babyface, not as a heel. And I thought he did not look out of place at all in this match, which he easily could have. He managed to get crowd heat. He managed to get heel heat even before the run-ins in a match where he was getting double-teamed two-on-one, which should that shouldn't really, really even really be possible. Um, but he managed to do it in such, like, such an unsympathetic manner that the crowd was still like, you know what, go kick his ass. <laughs> so I thought that was great. I mean, that was just good heel work. 
And, yeah, I don't know. He never looked out of place in this match. I mean, this is like, I don't know if it's like the Finley coming out party or just like going to be like a one night greatest performance of his career. But this was like, I thought he was awesome in this match. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. Like, I thought he was okay. I, I agree that he didn't look out of place. But I also... that's a win compared to what people talk about him. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Because for me, he just kind of like hung in there. But I, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm not as much down on Finlay as I thought I was then. <laughs> a lot of people will tell you. Like, I guess... they were, people were like fucking freaking out that he was in this match. Oh, yeah, no. Like, my, my thing... Okay, so my thing for Finlay is like, right... He uses a shillelagh because his dad is from fucking Northern Ireland. Uh, he's really kind of mediocre because he's from Hanover. So, which is not really a thing you're going to get unless you're from Germany. No. <laughs> but, like, if you want to know, like, like Hanover is basically, like, mediocre Germany. Oh, because they actually, like, it's mediocre in, like, all kinds of statistics. And even the German they speak, like, they have no accent. <laughs> like, at all. There's no coloring to the language. It's, like, the most, like bare bones average ass German you could ever speak and that's kind of like what I think about Finlay as well where it's like now if he's in there with like a Moxley and like an Osprey he can he can hang in there but he's also not gonna be like the most exciting like he's never gonna be like the most exciting part of any match right it's my like criticism of him well you can shit on Hanover all you like but uh we actually had kings from Hanover come over and rule over the entire British yeah, Empire. How did, that, so. how did that work out for you? Uh, well, I think they're still in charge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> how did that work out for you? Um, Andrew, not, does the world need the rebel? The world needs the rebel. I think Finlay did great in this match. I think like he had bigger heel heat than Evil did coming out to kill Naito after Naito was trying to do the roll call. I thought, I thought it was a great match. I was fully behind Finlay. I was probably the only person in my section <laughs> shouting for Finlay. Yeah, Every the, time... the crowd loves Osprey. I mean, Every time I shouted Finlay, there was a guy next to me who was like, Osprey! Yeah, they, if you people like don't know how much Japanese fans love Os- Will Osprey, it is a lot. I mean, yeah. There I were... mean, Moxley got some cheers, but Osprey was like... Oh, I I didn't hear anyone chanting for a Moxley. I, I heard some Moxley calls. It was very few, though. I heard more Finlay calls than Osprey, okay. than Moxley calls. I didn't uh, hear any Finlay calls on it. There, was... there were a lot of Finlay calls up in the cheap seats. I see. Um, but... Also, one, one thing quick I need to say as well is that Moxley actually came out like right behind me. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. that was really cool. Yeah, because I could... Oh, Doug, because I want to look back, he was all the way back there. Yeah, right yeah, there. yeah. Wrestle Kingdom... 14, I think he came out like right in front of us. We were at the very front right. of the first row, mm-hmm. first first floor stands. Oh, that actually reminds me. I, I meant to ask you like what other seats you went, were have had before, and like what which ones are were good and bad. I guess. Uh, I had I've had Arena A. Uh-huh. Arena A is like row seven on right. Row seven yeah, on. Arena A is between seven and thirteen. Okay. I believe. Um, if you're going to be on the floor, Arena A is the last ones i'd recommend i'd recommend first floor over arena b that's where he was yeah but i think i got lucky with my arena b seats which row you're in uh 23rd 23rd so i was like right in the like right in front of the like ring okay okay but you were like it's like right straight facing like the like uh, entrance ramp yeah it's basic you don't get to choose your seats yeah yeah, yeah. So it's basically a crapshoot of where you're... And the, and the person in front of me was fairly small, so I couldn't look yeah. over there her. There were still a lot of rows behind you, you were saying, Yes, right? there were like 10 more rows behind yeah. me. So you could have gotten, gotten any of those. Yeah. Because Arena B is like 13 all the way to like 
I guess, 33. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. arena, if you buy an arena A seat, you could be in row 7, you could be in row 13. Um, if you're in the fan club, I, I'd recommend going first floor, because you'll probably be in the front row of first floor, like mm-hmm. I was, which is, like, right where the dugouts are. Yeah, yeah. So if Moxley's on the show, he's going to be making his entrance right in front of you if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, so first floor stand is like the first section of the Tokyo Dome baseball seats. Yes. Because the floor seats we're talking about now are on the field. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so this first floor stand is like everything. If you buy first floor stand, you can get anything from the bottom row all the way to the top, mm-hmm. I guess, of that section. Yes. Uh, and then the balcony stand is what we were talking about before. Between the first floor yeah. and the second floor. And second floor stand is the absolute nosebleeds. I mean, anything up there. Yeah, if you're up there, you probably want to bring a pair of binoculars. <laughs> so have you ever sat there or no? Yes, I have. I okay. sat there last year, actually. Uh, so uh, not, not a great experience, yeah. I'm guessing? Well, I saw, Ni- I saw Okada versus Jay White, so not a great <laughs> experience. Uh, just one... Since we're quickly, because there's one thing I forgot to bring up about the life experience, uh, because it's like a thing you get at like if you just go to like a Giants game as well, it's the beer girls in Tokyo Dome. Oh yeah, yeah. Because that's so so fucking convenient. They so, never came to us. Really? Well, well you. No, get... I was about to. I was actually gonna ask you during the show. I was like, if do they actually come all the I way? I saw up them front walking the, through the arena areas every time we got got up to get a drink. Yeah. They never fucking came to us. I'm like, we've paid more money than anybody. You can't send a fucking beer girl. Yeah, yet? you won't get them in the royal seats. We didn't get them in the balcony seats. I was actually gonna tell you an anecdote about the beer girls. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. They have fanboys. Oh my god, that's actually what I was about to say as well. So there are people who go to Wrestle Kingdom, they go to baseball games, they go to concerts, they don't give a fuck about wrestling, they don't Mm -hmm. give a fuck about baseball, they don't give a fuck about Mm -hmm. the bands they're going to see. They have are dedicated to their beer girls. They find out what section they're going to be in, and they sit in that section just to be served by their favorite beer girl. This country is insane. Yeah, like, it's basically, like, every time I went to the toilet and one of the beer girls was, like, going to, like, refuel her tank, it was just some dude following her. Like, every single time was just, like, talking. She's like, yeah, yeah, like, let's get away. Well, that's probably a beer girl fanboy. (laughs) Yeah, 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 very likely. Uh, Okay, so what we should mention is, so, like, basically, in Tokyo Dome, they have these, like, girls that have just these, like, tanks of, like, beer or, like, uh, highball, lemon sour, yeah. or whatever. Oh, Pepsi on their Cola. Back. Pepsi Cola. And they just walk around the arena the entire time, just like, t- uh, like basically delivering fucking draft drinks to you. Which see. is fucking great. They, so we awesome. We don't have that in America at all. I don't think they have that anywhere else except and Japan. They definitely don't have that in Europe either. Saki, Saki Akai, like, cosplaying as one during the empty dome match. Oh, that was one of my favorite moments, too. Yeah, you gotta flag them down. And just so you know, just like the rest of the Tokyo Dome, they only accept cashless payment. Mm-hmm. That is crazy now. They definitely did not... When I went to the Tokyo Dome for a baseball game, they definitely still took cash. Yeah. But that was like... You know, eight yeah, years ago now. I think the Tokyo Dome going cashless was a COVID thing. Uh, yeah. I see. Um, okay, so we were on the three-way. Yeah, I went four and a quarter. Awesome match, even though I usually hate three-ways. But this was great. We should probably go a little faster with the rest of us, let's mm-hmm. say. Because you guys got to <laughs> catch the last trade. <laughs> IWGP up. junior title match. El Desperado defeats Roma Takahashi in fourteen twenty one with the Pinche Loco. He, so, first of all, he becomes the 94th champion. Second of all... He beats Hiromu, ends his chase for the defense record, so Minoru Tanaka safe for a while longer. I mean, Hiromu was on his eighth defense. I thought he was going to break the fucking thing. He only needed three more to tie after this, 
And I was like, nah. Minoru Tanaka. I guess Minoru Tanaka is gonna that's gonna live. Gotta forever. get the Some heat. Yeah, gotta <laughs> get the heat. Yeah, it was heat. Look, he is the UWF. No, no, he, no, he's not. He lost the match. Never yeah. mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, the pinch loco he did was awesome. It was like a because he hit a pinch loco earlier and Hiromu kicked out. Yes. He did like a fucking J driller mm. and then picked him back up and did another like pinch loco and that got the pin. Uh. I don't know. I went four and a half on this. I seem to be higher than everybody else on earth on this match. Um, I like that they went balls out right from the start. Uh, the crowd atmosphere around me was so fucking cool for this match that it may have even lifted it more because I had like the... This was the only match on the show probably where the my section was split literally 50-50 between Hiromu and Despi fans. I mean, we were yelling back and forth. We were just fuck Every time someone would yell Hiromu, someone else would yell Despi. It was just like... You know, someone was going to be up, upset by the end of this, and it was unfortunately the Hiromu fans and our cat. Our cat was not happy either. Uh, but yeah, so Desperado got the win. Uh, I love this match. Uh, we got it, like I said, go quickly. But any any thoughts on Hiromu and Desperado? I thought it was a fantastic match. I think a lot of people hand waved it, thinking like, "Oh yeah, Hiromu's obviously going to win for yeah. those reasons." <clears throat> I really loved it. I thought the finish was shocking. Uh, the only thing that puts me off a little is that when Hiromu and Desperado named their next challengers, Hiromu wanted matches with Doki and Wato and Fujita, and Desperado wanted a match with Taiji Ishimori. And <laughs> I think Hiromu's defense, next defense, <laughs> sounded a lot more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes me. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, you didn't give me thoughts on that. Uh, I mean, I thought the match was. I mean, I'm probably less high on this match than you guys are. I thought it was good, and I guess weirdly I was like the only person expecting Despi to win. Because yeah. <laughs> I kind of went into this match and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I think Despi's going to win, and just like... Because I, I feel like that defense record always like feels like something that like is safe for like a special occasion, so... And I still feel like I think like the next guy after Horomo is the one, is the guy that is going to beat, that whoever that is actually going to beat. Um, but yeah, so now we'll see what happens with the anniversary show. I mean, this could just mean Naito is losing the title at New Beginning. I mean, that's very possible. Um, I think Naito versus Desperado is a match I really want to see because I think they have a very similar fan base of people who like the underdog. Hiromu is not really the Naito of the junior division. He's more like the Okada of the junior division. I think Desperado and Naito have attracted a similar kind of people. And also... Japanese people that are really into Mexican stuff so like I don't know even know what, what like that equivalent of like a weep there is basically. but like are they ever going to do this fucking Naito Hiromu match are they going to wait till Naito's knees fully give out on maybe him maybe like, it's I a retirement match I, yeah it's just like wow I don't know I think you could do Naito versus Hiromu at the next dome as a special singles match that's true yeah you could do that uh, the sixth match on the show was and now we get the stuff we could probably blow through the IWGP tag and strong openweight tag titles uh, El Fantasma and Hikuleo defeating Yoshiashi and Goto. Uh, Hikuleo pitting Goto in 947. Um, this was pretty good. Nowhere near as good as their tag league match, obviously, because, you know, they got, like, less than a quarter of the time, first of all. But, you know, Hikuleo, that, that splash did not look very good. No. I mean, that was and that was the finish, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I went three and a quarter on this. It was pretty good. It wasn't anything, like, to super write home about. Um... And the crowd was not super into it where I was sitting at it either. Like, a lot of people use this to get up. So, you know. They were, they were, EOP had his fans, but like, the crowd was like not as into this as, as I was expecting. 
Uh, we got swerved on this match because this is where um, Dolph Ziggler oh. and his brother came out. Oh, we didn't mention yeah. it. We didn't mention freeway. it. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. okay. I have a great story about that. I, I tweeted this out already. But um, so I, when Dolph and the brother come out for this match, they sit down there and I, I like visibly react because I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? Dolph Ziggler's here. And the Japanese guy and his son sitting in front of me both turn around because they see me react. And the son looks at his dad and the dad looks at the son. The son goes, who is that? <laughs> and the dad goes, and I'm like, I couldn't hear what he was saying. The dad goes, who is that? And I'm like, oh, uh, that's Dolph Ziggler. And they're both like, I'm like, uh, WWE, no Dolph Ziggler. And they're like, okay. And then they had no fucking clue <laughs> who Dolph Ziggler and his fucking brother How were. How long was he on TV for like fucking like but it's, years? I mean, there's lots of Japanese people who probably never watched WWE. So they only know like the absolute top stars that are like, you know, in in uh, Weekly Pure or whatever. So, you know, I'm not surprised they didn't know who he was, basically. One thing I will say about WWE and AEW is a lot more Japanese fans know WWE than AEW. Mm-hmm. So, like, you'll watch, like, the Brian Danielson match and everyone's doing the yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, like, a lot of people think that AEW is popular because it's on New Japan World. But, like, you think about it, you watch a Bema... And you see, like, oh, only 200,000 people are watching WWE. No, no, 22,000. 22,000. Like, <laughs> it's worse than that. Well, it was 200,000 for, like, the first Raw. And, like, oh, like, oh, 600,000 people are watching Noah. So, like, nobody cares about WWE. But, like, AEW is only on New Japan World, which has 100,000 subscribers worldwide. Yeah. And not all How of those How many are... of those are going to watch AEW? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, like, people think, I guess, that New Japan World is the only way... Japanese people watch New Japan, which is, like, so stupid. They watch it on Abima. They watch it on... C.S. Asahi. C.S. Asahi. B.S. Asahi. Samurai TV. TV Asahi in the middle of the night. I mean, there's a million different ways to watch New Japan in Japan. You can just go to the shows. You can just go to the shows, too. That's also that. Yeah. So, like, there's a ton of Japanese people who don't have New Japan World and are fans, and they don't... That's the only way to watch AEW legally in Japan. And I'm like, I'm sure there are so many people at the Dome today who just don't watch New Japan for yeah, the rest yeah. of the year. Yeah. So, but anyway, the point is they didn't know Dolph Ziggler, which was funny. But yes, they came out here. It was a sword. We brought that, oh, they're new tag title challengers, but it ended up being a sword because they got in, uh, Dolph got in Finley's face uh, after the global title match. So. The match we all want no, to they see. Actually, they actually brought to the back, oh, which yeah. I don't think is a thing you see, we saw because we, uh, I didn't quite see it, but it basically was like the like ramp while they were walking out. They like started like brawling with each other. So, Finley versus Dolph, folks. Get your tickets now for the global title. Battle, battle in the Valley. Do you think it'll be Battle in the Valley? Isn't Finley advertised for that show? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, probably. Uh, the Never title. Tamatanga defeats Shingo Takagi uh, in 1346 to become the new Never Openweight Champion. He's leaving the company, by the way. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah. So, I don't know, why Why the fuck did he win this match when this is his last month in New Japan? Because I, he's booking New Japan. I guess so. <laughs> But yeah, um, I thought this was awesome. I mean, look, they, they they fucking went out there and they did the big bomb match and it was a real good time. I went four and a quarter. I loved this. I, I wasn't even the highest person in the voice wrestling slack. So uh, I thought it was not quite as good as their Vegas match. But, you know, it's just so... That G1 match now is so weird because that G1 match was so fucking bad. And then they go out there and have two great matches after that in Vegas and in the Dome. So I don't know what the fuck was the problem with that fucking g1 match but anyway 
Uh, I was watching this match on the TV, sitting in the tables behind my seats, drinking beers during this match. So I don't really have any thoughts on it. <laughs> I went to the toilet and then I got a slice of pizza and a highball. So I was the only one who saw it here. So yeah, it was a great. <laughs> trust me, it was a great match. They both missed. Uh, before that, we had the House of Torture, Evil and Ren Narita beating Kaito Kiyomiya and Shota Umino. Uh, Narita pinned uh, Umino in seven oh six with the double cross, uh, which is the X factor, of course. After he hit him with the uh, the plank of wood as uh, as Master Watto okay, called it. Was that what it was? Yeah, it's a push up push up bar. But it's just so funny because so when he debuted that he hit um, Hanma with it. Yeah. And when they got backstage, Hanma was like, fucking so He's like, what the fuck did he just hit me with? What was that? It hurt so bad. And Master Wato was like, I don't know, a plank of wood or something. Like, he had no idea what, what it was or what it was supposed to be. But Hanma just kept asking him over and over and over again. And Wato finally had to be like, I guess he hit you with some wood, man. I don't really know. Just really funny moment. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, this... I guess Master Wato kind of looks like someone that doesn't know what a push-up bar looks like. <laughs> but yeah, this was a he great... He looks fucking huge now. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is a great match. I mean, I love this. I, I figured they were going to get the win here since the Noah team beat them back at uh, the show we were at on mm-hmm. the second. But yeah, this this had, this had was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this a lot, and especially for what it was, and, you know. I mean, I would say I like the match at the Noah show more. Yeah, I like the elimination good. match more. They're both good. But I went three and three quarters on this. I had a great time with it. And I always love the house, though. So. Shota Umino had a motorcycle. Yeah. Oh, did. God. Yeah, that was so fucking that cool. That was cool. <laughs> I love how they just actually managed to just completely rebuild this man in one year. People I, think he's like, not going to get pushed or something. I'm just no, like, he's stupid. He's he going to win the fucking title. Like, I hear year. people saying, like, oh, Hikuleo's getting pushed more than Shota Umino. And I'm like, what company are you okay, watching? Because he made that one fucking quarterfinal in the G1 against Naito. People never let that go. Oh, he got a match with Naito oh. in the mid card in Chiba. Oh, he got to lose to Naito on one show. Oh, but he got out of the block. He finished second place this in the block. That's going to be the next day. I'm like, what the people, fuck? <laughs> people are so fucking super bad. Like, how many around. main events has Shota Umino had this year? I think like, well, last year, sorry. Yeah. He has no, he's had none this year. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, four. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, match three, Yuya Uemura defeating Yoda Suji in 10.57 with the Deadbolt Suplex. Uh, i kind of disappointed by this. I mean, maybe they just didn't have enough time to really get going. I only went three and a quarter on it. I don't know. I was really excited by this match. I really, really enjoyed this. I thought they did great. I love Yota's offense. Mm -hmm. Like, he did everything that he always does that's really cool. And... He got such a huge reaction coming out, too. Oh, God, that's so cool. People, and he had that extra extended version of his theme song. Yeah. I mean, look, again, people think they're not pushing these people. I, 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 I'm like, this shit is what really drives me insane. I ranted about it on the on the Voice Wrestling preview. Where I'm just like, they have a fucking spot on the card when half the goddamn roster was in the Rambo or not even flown here at all. They got a fucking single, non-title yeah. singles match. Nobody, like... Own, the only other people that got a non-title singles match on this card are Kazuchika Okada <laughs> and Brian Daniels. Yeah, they're not pushing them. <laughs> I might be embarrassed here by the time people listen to this, but I think by the time people are listening to this, Yuya Uemura might be the number one contender to yeah. the IWGP title. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we'll say. What do you think of this match? Uh, I thought the match was okay. The only th- my, my complaint is I just think Yuta Suji is just so much better than Yuya Uemura. Like, I, I, I don't think it's even really all that close. I, I think Yuya still has time to rebuild himself. But in a weird way, I feel like I feel about him, which obviously, like, kind of maybe is a positive thing. The way I feel about him now is the way I feel I felt about Shota last year. 
So obviously that means there's still time for him to rebuild himself. But right now I'm, I'm a bit down on him. And Yota Suji to me is just like, like he's going to be a massive star. I think Yota had it all put together from yeah. day one. There's yeah. Nothing, no he's comparison. Just, he's just like the guy, yeah. Match two, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeating Zack Sabre Jr. 8.53, become the second NG, NJPW World TV champion. Great finish. But they just keep rolling back and forth. Oh, God, and yeah. finally Tanahashi ends up on, on top and the crowd is so happy. They love the Sacho. show. They love this president, Tanahashi. I mean, when he came out, because you guys, neither one of you went to the press conference yesterday, right? So at the end of the stream, they announced that Tanahashi is going to come back out to give away fucking six posters. And you think they just told the fucking crowd that they all just got a new car. <laughs> they went so fucking crazy just for this man coming out to give away a few posters. And they did air guitar. They, they love Tanahashi. I think even more than ever now that he's the new president of the company. So, uh, yeah, this was great. I went three and three quarters. I always loved their matches. It was obviously a express version of it under 10 minutes, but I had a great time with this. I thought this should have opened the show. This match mm-hmm. was great. I loved the ending, like you said. Like, I don't know if you guys watch as much Joshi as I do, but that like pin reversal yeah, yeah. sequence is a popular trope in Joshi, and it usually never ends the match. <laughs> but to see it actually end the match was really, really yeah. cool. And yeah, I thought this was exciting. It got people hyped up after the opener, which we'll come to, which I thought was a very big disappointment. I thought it was a very condensed version of their usual match. And yeah, it should have opened the show. Uh, Mayu Iwatani, by the way, was at ringside. Speaking of yeah, she was, a, yeah. she was the, on commentary, I believe. Yeah, she was on commentary and she had the, she had the IWGV Women's title, which is how I knew she retained it today. Yeah, no, I feel like, as I said, like doing this kind of pen reversal thing, you can do like you can do that as a finish like every once in a while, not often, but when you actually do it, it's so nice. Uh, and I'm obviously sad my boy Zach lost, uh, but I feel like he's losing up because now that we kind of know he's staying, like he's obviously going to be the new top guy. Jen, now that uh, Osprey is gone, so yeah, that that man he might he might be on that shortlist for guys that might win the like world title this year. Like yeah. he might be on the shortlist for people that beat Naito. He's or wearing he could... a TMDK shirt for anyone yes, who doesn't know what he means by obviously. The opener of the main card, TJP and Francisco Akira defeating Driller Maloney and Clark Connors. Uh, TJP pinned Maloney in 938. Uh, they became the new, the fifth, ch- or not the fifth champions, the 74th champions. They failed in their fourth defense. Um, yeah, this was pretty disappointing. Like you guys said, I went three flat on it, like Gentleman's Three. This was like. My weakest match of the show. I mean, they were so into getting this Aswang yes, thing, Aswang thing he over with to TJP. Love him. He loves to kiss him. He's an Aswang. But yes, um, that that match did not not really land for me. I don't know. It was fine, but they were so into getting that TJP thing over that just. I think doing like a slow heel control section to open a big show like this just didn't work at all for me. Like. I love Catch 2-2, I love the War Dogs, but it just didn't work here. Like They've had maybe, a million better matches. Maybe as a new beginning match, this would have been good. As like the third match on the card, this would have worked. But to open a show like this, it was very flat. Yeah, I don't really have anything add to add for the match itself. So the only thing I can say is like, Driller Maloney as a junior is a joke. Because the dude is just so much bigger than anyone else in that match. <laughs> Like, I feel like he is on, like, he's probably going to move up to heavyweight at some point because he's just gigantic. Yeah, and they need the guys. Too. Yeah. 
Uh, the Rambo, don't have to go into details, it was a Rambo, but kind of long for Rambo, went 3240, I think a little bit longer than usual. Uh, and the final four that moved on were really random final four, Great Okan, Toriano, Taiji Ishimori, and Yo. Yo was dressed as like a concession worker or something, <laughs> or like an arena guide, it was really fucking funny. But yeah, it was an interesting Rambo. Izuka was the big news from the Rambo, I mean, he was like the story, him coming out. His theme song hit. And I went nuts, and nobody else around me seemed to know that that the opening chords of that theme song. And then they put Takashi Yuzuka up there, and they're like, "Oh!" They all reacted. But yeah, that was great. Um, it was great seeing Azuka. and uh, like when he turned on Taichi, that was so fucking funny. But uh, that cost Taichi the match. So Taichi's not in the final four. I think he's the first ever defending champion not to make the final four the next night, which made me think maybe he's Naito's challenger. But I don't know. That'd be really failing up, I guess. But well, the they changed the order of the New Beginning show, so Sapporo is it's the first. Sh- no, Sapporo is last now. Oh, Sapporo's first. last. Yeah, yeah. So that could be a tour ender, Naito versus Taichi. It could also be like still be Naito versus Uemura with like it's a two night show. Yeah. You could have Naito and Suji versus Uemura and Taichi, Taichi yeah. as one of the main events. So overall, I really enjoyed this Vessel Kingdom. I mean, I put this as like a solid mid-tier Russell Kingdom. I don't, it's definitely not one of the best ones, but considering how much shit people talked about this card leading into it, I thought it over-delivered for, compared to what people... I mean, I never thought the card was that bad anyway, so I guess it didn't over-deliver that much for me, but compared to what some people were saying the card looked like, I thought it definitely over-delivered. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought we were going to give our thoughts on the Rambo, and I was just going to say it was so cool oh. to see, like... <laughs> Fujita Jr. Hayato getting oh, a uh, Tokyo Dome appearance before his surgery. Um, I thought the Rambo story worked with the whole Taichi Izuka thing. Um, Chase Owens coming out first was a very inauspicious <laughs> start to a so Wrestle Kingdom. When that music hit, I'm like, oh, the Super JCast Discord's not going to like this. <laughs> I don't think any Discord or any person outside of the Owens family <laughs> liked that. But yeah, I... I I enjoyed the Rambo for what it was. It told a good story. I liked seeing it. The final four is the final four. Uh, other than Yano, I'm happy with it. But, but yeah. good show, right? Overall, a pretty good show. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch the Rambo because ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. Uh, uh, as far as the show itself go, uh, yeah, I liked it as well. Like, if people are really down on it, like, I don't know, like, watch some of the shit New Japan put up in, like, the mid-2000s <laughs> and then come back to me and tell me this was a bad know, kingdom. They fucking everybody acts. I'm just like you guys need to live through some more of the yeah, acts yeah, yeah, yeah. like if you own if you've only ever experienced peak New Japan, I get it. But otherwise, like, but uh, what I will say is this show definitely kind of restored my like feeling about wanting to go to big shows because after the Noah show, I was just kind of like, do I actually want to go to like these big cavernous <laughs> buildings? Because I went to All In, which where well, because again the last two big shows I went to, I left during the main event. <laughs> Because yeah. I left during MGF versus Cole, and I left during Okota Ibushi and Marufuji before it got bad. Well, no, it was before already, it got no, no, bad. No, 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 it was already. No, sorry, that's the wrong phrasing. I left while it was bad before it got worse when Ibushi broke his ankles. I didn't actually see that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm happy that I missed that. I stayed for. But like now, I actually stayed for the main event. So now, and I was actually like kind of mostly like enjoying myself doing it. Show. It did make me want to go to Wrestle Kingdom again. Yes, it's I like, I already was thinking about doing this trip again next year. But now I'm actually even more. Eh, I probably should actually do that because it's like you're in that building and you just that the stage looks so fucking cool. 
I mean, I had never been to a stadium wrestling show before. I never went to a stadium mania. So, and obviously I didn't go to all in. I'm not going to, who's, who's going to fly to England for AEW? Not me. <laughs> so the stage set up. I uh, I, well, you're, you're in Europe. It's different. <laughs> but yeah, the stage set up is, um, you know, it, it's just such a fucking cool setup. When they were running on the card, especially, that's when it like really looked super cool. And yeah, it just, it felt like you were at a big fucking show. So that was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I had, a, I had a great time. I mean, like I said, live bias probably too, but I really enjoyed it. Where would you rank it? You went to all these stones. So the best Wrestle Kingdom I went to was Wrestle Kingdom 14, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. After that, I put Wrestle Kingdom 12, then probably this one, huh? and then 13. 13 was 2019. 13 was the Kenny versus Tanahashi, Tanahashi which, yeah. which was great, but... A lot of the matches felt really rushed because I think yeah. it was the first one where they had like shorter undercard matches yeah, yeah. and people didn't really know how to react to that. Yeah. And then the the COVID ones. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is a hell of a fun show. Uh, do you want to briefly touch on the other stuff real quick? The January 2nd Noah show. Fucking horrendous. Like, okay, I, not the whole show horrendous, I guess. It's probably too harsh. But a bad show with two awesome matches, you should definitely say, yeah. which are the uh, the Ishii uh, Kitamiya match yeah. and the, um, the uh, so- Soya and Keno GHC title match. But the and act- the House of Torture versus Act-X Geeks. Oh, match. I mean, to be fair, that is actually a pretty good. That match. actually, yeah. <laughs> so two awesome matches, a very good match with House yeah. of Torture against the Shota Squadron, and the third worst main event ever. The worst main event in wrestling history, yes. in, in Japanese wrestling history, yes. maybe. It's like up there with that one where Kensuke Sasaki won the IWGP title oh. like ninety seconds from uh, from Fujita by falling. Yeah, but at on least him. that was ninety seconds. That, and like not almost caused a minutes. riot in Rio Goku apparently. <laughs> like that's I don't remember what year that was, but yeah. So it's it's like in competition with that one, but yeah. Um, um, I think that's a bit ableist. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that that was the third worst take I've ever fucking seen in my but, life. Jesus. But Christ. yeah, for, I mean, I felt bad for it. It was just like this weird atmosphere. Of everybody feeling like so fucking bad for Kota Ibushi because everyone's just like this man is about to fall, turn to dust in front yeah. of us, and then and nobody did. wanted to see it. And you were just like calling. Like, I never heard so many gambare or gambate calls in one match because they're just like telling him, "Please hang in there." And again, Please don't all die of that of happened before he broke his ankle because I left before all of that because I already was like he can't scale before he broke broke his other ankle I broke his other ankle and I was already like this is sad I can't watch this and then I like look at messages when I get to the station and people are like oh somehow it got worse and I'm like what the fuck how so uh, that was no that was no good and the other problem with the show was just five and a half hours long too long oh way too long I mean we started at three ended at 8.30 even like Wrestle Kingdom was like four like under four and a half hours So this was like a full hour long, and that's why I've been counting the pre-show. So like that was ridiculous. Yeah, we didn't even see. The we dark didn't see matches. the pre-show because we were at Cork, and um, we're going to talk about the All Japan. We, we already talked about the All Japan December thirty first show, so that'll be in the next block of audio you hear on this episode with me and Paul. Uh, January second Corkin for All Japan was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Nothing really worth mentioning. January third. Uh, I mean, I would say the junior title match from that uh, yeah. you should watch, and you should. The main event was actually really good. Yeah. I thought it was really great. I thought it was great. I thought Charlie yeah. Dempsey like acquitted himself yeah. excellently. No, absolutely. Oh, you went to that too? No, I just watched oh, it on okay. TV. Gotcha. No, but it, it, I, I, it was really, really good. Like Dempsey. I mean, what I will say, I don't hate Charlie Dempsey. I just hate what he stands for. What yeah, he represents. Yeah. 
but like he, he, I mean, he really should be in WWE. He should be in Japan. He should be in. If anyone should poach anything coming out of this, it's all Japan should poach Charlie Dempsey. <laughs> That's my take from well, this. Well, he was in the New Japan Dojo was, at Wrestle yeah. Kingdom 14. Yeah. Because everyone saw him ringside and thought he was related to Brian Danielson. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, the, it's kind of spiritually, you're not wrong. <laughs> Because they so kind I of guess are. <laughs> maybe if COVID never happened, they never would have loved. Well, yeah. I think the thing with all Japan is everyone thinks NXT is the problem when it's the other part of promotion that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, folks. So that'll end this segment. Uh, you already did your plugs on the one that we recorded before. So, Paul, uh, you want to, I mean, Andrew. Anything you want to plug or anything? Um, or the Bevler. I forgot. I, forgot <laughs> I, I think we called him Andrew like 50 times during the fucking thing. Um... Buy a garden gnome from your local gardening shop. There you go. All right, folks. So through the magic of audio, you will now hear Paul and I talk about the All Japan Show. I probably also mentioned that we're going to talk about New Year's Dash, which is the original plan. But we decided not to do that. So it's going to. So when when you hear us talk about how we're going to talk about New Year's Dash, uh, just pretend you don't hear that part. All right. So we'll be back in a second with the All Japan December thirty first show. All right, folks, uh, you're, we're back here on Arresting Omakase. So, as I probably explained already, and a thing we haven't recorded yet, we're recording this sort of in reverse order here. So, you've already heard us talk about the Wrestle Kingdom show and New Year's Dash, even though as we record this, the shows have not happened yet. So, obviously, we haven't recorded about them now. We're talking to you here on uh, December 31st, about 7.30 p.m. Uh, Japan time. But we did want to make sure we covered the All Japan show as well. It was a big show for All Japan, you know, much bigger than uh, these other Korokins and stuff that we'll be going to. Um, but, you know, I wanted to really get it while the while it's fresh in our minds stuff, having just attended it. So that's why you're hearing this now, uh, a little out of order, I guess. But this is what we're doing here. So we're talking about the All Japan, December 31st, uh, Tokyo National Yoyogi Stadium, second gymnasium show. Uh, what's called what? All Japan, AJPW Mania X, I think, or Maniacs. Maniacs, yeah. yeah. Um, and this is Paul next to me, by the way. I don't need to introduce him because <laughs> presumably I would have already introduced him when we do the Tokyo Dome show. It's unless be, something really bad happens yeah, yeah, to me, actually. Really <laughs> oh, God, that would be really eerie. <laughs> so um, in the next uh, five days, it's supposed to be you, me, and actually um, my buddy Andrew is going to be joining us for that one. Wrestle Kingdom. I don't know if you know Andrew or not, but he's he's uh, he has a very secret account on the Voices of Wrestling Discord. <laughs> I won't blow his cover. It's a very secret. Nobody knows about it. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Never very mind. Yes. Account, yeah. No. Very secret. And I, he was, I met him on the first trip uh, at the after the the Shinjuku Face Throw, the uh, Oz Academy show. Yeah, and now we're talking about him after he's already been on, the sh- on this episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, presumably we'll introduce him when we talk about him. But yeah, so he's he's also the keeper of my Team New Japan fan club membership, ah. which I'm sure I'm also going to mention when I introduce him on the 4th and the part that people have already listened to. So let's stop talking about Andrew. But yes, he's supposed to be... Unless, of course... He doesn't show up, and now we're talking about him. And he <laughs> didn't end up, and we did. He didn't actually make it to uh, to the. Fourth. Me and Andrew get into a big fight, and you're recording <laughs> the show by yourself. <laughs> yeah, uh, who knows? Well, anything could happen, right? But anyway, so uh, I'll stop talking about a thing that we 
have not yet recorded, but you, the listener, have already listened to, which is the magic of doing things out of order. Time travel. Time travel. I mean, there's so much time traveling, right? Yeah. I lost my Wordle streak because of the time travel. Oh. I forgot to fucking do it. It was up to like, what Nicole, do you remember what I said what the Wordle streak was up to? She don't know. I don't think she did. It was like 170. Do you remember what the world streak was up to that that got broken? No. It was like 173 or something. Nicole's here too, by the way. She's up uh, one floor above us. But yes, um, we're we're at our beautiful Airbnb, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, Minato Ku, which. I can just lean over and see Tokyo Tower. It is cool. It's a cool cool setup. It has some of the. Typical Japanese Airbnb difficulties where you can tell they like hacked two apartments together that yes. had nothing to do with each other, and it, it's kind of excuse me, it's kind of awkward, you know. So, um, but you know, it's fine. I mean, we're I mean, moving to the Conrad tomorrow, so I'm like going from here to a five star resort. So nice. I am excited for that. Yeah, January first, which I guess is where we're going to record from on the, the fourth, actually. Yeah, Again, I think on the we're thing... going to have room in my APA. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Should have more room in the Conrad, probably, <laughs> than the uh, APA hotel. A, a run in there from my Windows update. Very professional here on Omakase. <laughs> Look, you get two episodes a year, so you can't really complain. Um, but yeah, it is just so great being back here in Japan. I mean, I know I am a weeaboo, and this is like the weeb wrestling podcast, but Jesus Christ, it's so great to be back yeah. after four and a half years. I am not going to uh, dispel the weeb rumors with how fucking happy I am to be back Literally here. went to Comic Cat yesterday. Yeah, I know. It's like, Comic Cat was great. Um, we might not touch on that. You want to touch on Comic Cat real quick? We might not get to oh, that. Yeah. So we just went to it yesterday. Mm-hmm. So people don't know. I guess you can explain what Yeah, so Comic Cat, basically, it's... I mean, essentially, it's the biggest convention in the world, right? Like, just by, like, number of attendance. Because there's, like, over, like, 100,000 people there. So, uh, it's... Well, it's basically, like, it's generally, like, anime and manga uh, is what it's about. It used to be only, like, fan works originally. Now they also have, like, corporate vendors as well. But, like, still the main thing people go there for is, like, fan stuff. So, like, keychains, art books. I found two amazing Sailor Moon keychains. They're so beautiful. Yeah, I, I scored some, like, really nice art books and at least one keychain, so yeah. it was nice. I mean, the cool thing is when you know you're going to go there and get these fan works, it's like, I own these two uh, Sailor Moon keychains mm-hmm. now that, like, no one else on Earth is ever going to own unless yeah. they happen to be a Comic Cat. At that one, yeah, because and, it's also yeah. stuff that is made specifically yeah. for Comic Cat as well. So unless you buy it there, you could probably get it on, like, a reseller website for that. With like a massive markup. Yeah. Anyway. And it's just like, it's going to be very rare. Yeah. So, you know, it's just something I'm going to treasure. And like you were saying, it is, it's, I don't know if we can properly explain to people who don't know anything about Comic Cat yes. just how big it is and just how many people go to this. We're talking in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. I don't, I haven't looked up what the attendance is for this year. Pre pandemic, it used to be like, it did, it did like 750,000, I think I saw insane, for one yeah. year. It was go- it was down obviously during the pandemic depths, and now they charge to get in, which they didn't use which to. Which probably means that's going to yeah. be people. But I still think there probably were like three or four hundred thousand oh, people there. Yeah, I mean, we I mean, basically one way I can describe it is like you arrive at the Tokyo Big Side, which is where it is, and like we hadn't had tickets, so we still needed to buy like the tickets yeah. essentially. And there was the line essentially is like going in this like that had to have been like two kilometers or something like the la- the length of that line. Yeah. Like, basically, it, it's, like, looping all around, like, the venue, and then it loops you back to the entrance, and then you can actually buy your tickets there. And but you have to wa- walk for, like, a while to actually get there. And we got so there. lucky. I mean, the, the, their official stuff says to get there at 1230. 
we got there at like I don't know eleven forty five or mm. something. When we like snaked back around, we could see the <laughs> yeah. part where we came in originally, like came on the line, and all this part that we just walked right yeah. through was now like completely stopped. Yeah, like I don't know how fucking long it took the people oh, who got God. there after us because to get in. It took us what? It took like, us like forty five minutes. Yeah, exactly. So it it probably took these people like double the time. So it probably took these people like an hour and a half. Yeah, if they got there a little after us, I mean, it's just insane. But yeah, just like when you get into the the fan halls and just the sheer number, like. You cannot go through everything. It's just no, impossible. No. I mean, you have to like really just like browsing is kind of hard. Yeah. Like you were saying, you have to get like have like specific goals. Yeah. So it, it, it's something. It's like, really I, I really got overwhelmed because I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of walk around and buy. And I bought some nice stuff, but I also felt like I didn't get the most out of it because I should have been like more targeted and I should have just been like, I go there, 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 and yeah, then I want yeah. this, this, and this. But it's just, it's crazy. I mean, it's one of these things where I'm like, if you even care remotely about anime manga, it's like a thing everybody should do. I mean, I have people, I know friends who like go just for this. Like my friend Henry yeah. went for, flew in for Komi Cat the summer. It's held twice a year, summer and winter. My friend went just for the summer Komi Cat and flew back. My other friend Julian, I know is here now and he went to this winter Komi Cat. I think it's flying back in like three or four days. I mean, people <laughs> love this shit. And like once yeah. you go to one, I think you just want to keep going back probably. So, um, yeah, Call Me Cat is great. We want to spend more time on that than I thought we would. <laughs> but, yeah, so we got... We both landed on the 29th. Mm-hmm. So the 30th, we went right to Call Me Cat. And today, as we're recording this, is the 31st. Uh, I went to Akiba, which is, like, their big, um, like, anime manga, like, part of Tokyo. And went to some stores over there. I went to Super Potato, which, of course, um, New Japan fans might remember, was the venue where Kenny Omega filmed that vignette... Um, where he's like picking out the Famicom game before his Wrestle Kingdom match with Tanahashi at whichever one that would be. The 2019 one, I think it's 13. But yeah, so the vignette, that vignette he filmed that New Japan wouldn't let him air. Remember that they only they put oh, on YouTube? Yeah. So that's where he filmed it at, at uh, Super Potato. It's just like this incredible retro game store where they just have like I, everything, every game system you can think of, every like just tons and tons of games. And like there's a photo of Kenny Omega there that's like signed with the date of like December whatever 2018 before that match there's one of AJ Styles too which is kind of cool and it's after he left New Japan because it says like WWE champion AJ Styles yeah (laughs) so like I guess when he came back on the Japan tour maybe Hmm? but yeah obviously AJ loves video games too but yeah Kenny and AJ are like right next to each (laughs) other so it's like right hanging above one of the registrars I thought it was really cool I mean AJ was even at the show yeah that's true AJ (laughs) we saw AJ air quotes at All Japan today, um, there was this guy who looked exactly like AJ. And I mean, like, sitting directly, <laughs> and he was really far away. So, like, um, you know, kind of, like, outside of my, in my, in my field of vision, he just looked like AJ. But I'm sure once I get close to him, probably he doesn't look anything like him. But. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the All Japan show. So, after after Akiba today, uh, did Yaki Niku for lunch. That was great. And then went to the All Japan show. Um I guess since, you know, obviously being there live, we should talk about, like, the venue and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yoyogi Second Gymnasium, one of the only Tokyo venues left that I haven't been to. Um, and actually, we're hitting two of them on this trip because I've never been to the Ariake Coliseum either. I've been to the smaller... I mean, that was right new as well. Yeah. yeah. I've been to the smaller Ariake that they tore down, the different Ariake. Mm-hmm. I went to that one before they tore it down that used to be Noah's big venue. Uh, but I've never been to the Ariake Coliseum, so that'll be cool. Um... But yeah, the Yogi Second Gym, I've never been to either. It's basically, um, you can, it's like right in between two very popular, 
like touristy districts of Tokyo, it's like you can either get off at the Harajuku stop or the Shibuya stop, and you can, it's kind of like directly between both of them. Mm-hmm. And it's in you know it's the second gymnasium, so like there's basically these two humongous buildings, and these were both originally built as Olympic venues, I think for the '64 Olympics. Yeah. yeah. So there's these two humongous gymnasiums. One of them is bigger than the other. Not that's not the second. That's mm-hmm. the main one. I think Ayumi Hamazaki, Ayumi Hayazaki was uh yeah, it was a concert. Was, there. There's a concert there. There was a, like a whole line of people waiting to buy like goods or something still when I walked past it. But yeah, you see like these huge like I don't know how to describe them, like almost like futuristic looking buildings still, even though but also like, like 60... old style, right? yeah, like, because it, it because it looks like a futuristic like Japanese castle made out of concrete. Like it's hard to describe how cool it actually looks in person. It's like one. I mean, so much of this country looks great and looks so fucking cool, and that that still stood out as looking cool. But yeah, so basically, you walk around the big. You can walk around the bigger building, and then just like it's all, um, you know, there's like a walkway to get to the smaller building, and that's where the All Japan Show was. And the thing that these Japanese venues excel at that the American venue American venues just do not is Japanese venues have. You know, in, in Japan, there's so many venues that are perfect for, like, a 3,000, 2,000 to 3,000-person crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of them. Like, Yo-Yogi. I mean, you know, they drew, you said, 26... Uh, yeah, 75. 26, 75. I mean, a bad collision will do that nowadays, mm-hmm. but they'll put that number of people in, like, a fucking 15,000-seat yeah. hockey stadium or, in, or basketball arena, and it looks like shit, it sounds like shit... It's horrible when you're there mm-hmm. because I haven't been in these crowds where, you, where you're getting like 3,000 or 3,500 in a hockey basketball arena. I mean, you just, all you see is how empty it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, it's not a good feeling at all. Here you have 2,600 people, but you have them in a venue that fits like 3,200 probably. Yeah, like they didn't sell out, but it's also, there wasn't that many more like yeah. seats left. Like you could see the empty seats in the yeah. very upper deck mostly, but like not that many. So, you know, you have, basically, it's like this big round... I think they claim, I now remember, I think they generally claim 4,000, I think. It's oh, you can get to 4,000? Yeah. I guess I could see it. Maybe even put mm-hmm. even more floor seats. Yeah, because there was, like, empty space, like, yeah, right yeah. behind us, where they could have put more seats. But, but yeah, so, like, but, yeah, it's, just, it's like a very spherical building, right? And it looks like it has great views from everywhere. Yeah. And you can see, like, it goes right around the top, you know, the top ring, mm-hmm. um... You know, you have like a, like a top ring of seating, then like a second ring below that in, you know, I guess what they would call like the stands. Mm-hmm. And then we get down to the floor seats and you had on the east and west side, we were on the east side, there was four rows. And then the north and south had way more rows. I think they had like, looked like 15 rows or something. Yeah. Maybe even more than that. So, you know, a lot of people on the floor, but really on the north and south parts, not really the east and west parts. But, um, you know, just a great building. That building was great. I mean, the, cra- yeah. the sound... All these Japanese venues have just amazing fucking acoustics, and like the sound just really travels. And you know, you know, twenty six hundred people going crazy for Kento in that main event sounded like a crowd of double the size. I mean, it was just great. And the amount of just like after being on I, again, I've attended so many American wrestling shows in the last four and a half years. It's again. I know this is the Weeb Podcast. I know this is how it's going to come off. Going to a show in Japan. Is so much fucking better than going to a wrestling show in America in every single way. I don't even really think it's subjective. I think it's almost all objective. Like, okay, if I told you I think the wrestling in Japan is better, obviously that's subjective. 
and you can tell me you think the wrestling in America is better, and neither of us is necessarily correct. I mean, really, I'm correct. But <laughs> if you if you want to say you're correct, if you think American wrestling is better, that's fine. On the other hand, the crowd atmosphere in Japan to me is just objectively better. I don't really think there's any. There's like, I don't, have you ever been to an American wrestling show? Uh, the only I've been to one, okay, which was All Out 2021, okay, which also might be slightly where like my. Well, obviously, that was a really good crowd. And also, we literally had a suite, a v- the VOW suite as well. So, yeah, it was yeah. just... So, that that I don't think I can really compare okay. that. Like, I don't have been to, like, a regular show. That does not count. Yeah. Yes. Because I've been to the VOW suites before uh, for All Out. Not, no, no, not All Out this year. Forbidden Door this year. Um, and All Out in 2022. And, you know, those... Like, the, the voice wrestling suite is a little different. Because, obviously, you're there among like 20 other hardcore wrestling nerds yeah. and you're there with uh you know nobody's going to be annoying in the suite basically no. like, there's no one the most annoying person in voice of wrestling which i'm not going to say his name <laughs> but like the most annoying person is not as annoying it's not one tenth as annoying as the average american wrestling fan and one tenth is probably still too low so and really the, the, the person that annoys everybody on the slack he's not annoying in real life at all so you know it's just not it's not comparable, um, but yeah, the the actual yeah. What should I, you know? It's, I was talking about Jeff. Jeff will probably listen to this. <laughs> Jeff, I love you. You really don't annoy me in Slack, so I didn't want you to take it the wrong way. But but even uh, even I think other people who've met you at the fucking uh, at the at these shows would tell you like tell you to your face you're way less annoying in person than you are online. I don't even think you're that annoying online. Honestly, I think. I just recorded a podcast episode with Jeff. <laughs> Listen to it, uh, Emerald Flow Show. I think it was two, three episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't want—I didn't want Jeff to take that the wrong way. I love Jeff. <laughs> anyway, back to back to the Japanese versus the American West experience. Yeah, going to the suite is not the same thing. Having been to many, many, many American wrestling shows, unfortunately, you basically have a very high percentage chance of being next to either a complete asshole. Which is just, you know, living in America in general. Um, a complete asshole. Someone who doesn't know how to act in public. And obviously these are not exclusive categories. It could be any, they could be all of these things. And then the worst of all is the American wrestling fan who treats it as open mic night. Which is like, so many of them do this. Where you, If you end up next to the crowd comedian, it can literally ruin the entire show. And it's a very high percentage chance of that happening. At pretty much any American wrestling show of any size. I feel like it happens a little more at like indie level or even like New Japan Strong level shows than it does at like an AW. Or I don't, I don't know what WWE. I've been to every show in like 15 years. I don't know what that, those crowds are like anymore. But yeah, so like AW, they, but the AW, they still happen. You still get the crowd comedians sometimes. Um, but yeah, so like you don't have that at all in Japan. So that's objectively better already. Just nobody does that. Japanese fans are there to yell for their favorite. They're there to yell for Kento. They're there to yell for Dante Murray. They're going to yell his name. That's it. They're not going to say anything else. They're not going to try to start stupid chants. They're not going to yell about any. They're just they're, they're there to yell to cheer on the wrestler and that's it. So there, there's one point for Japan. The fans in Japan still give a shit too, which is not always the case. Again, the example that I'm going to make here is we saw Dan Tamura win the All Japan Junior Title tonight for the first time, and he's obviously been someone who's. Been in All Japan for a while now. I don't I don't know his debut year. 
29? I was going to guess 18. So Eight, co- Yeah, right around there. Right around, yeah. So he's head. been yeah. in this for a while, uh, a little while now, without you know winning the junior title. He finally beats Ellen to win the junior title. There were these two like middle-aged women sitting in front of, directly in front of us. They were so great. They were great all night. I mean, these two women were reacting to everything. One of them like started crying when Dan Tamura won the junior title. She was so overcome by emotion. She was so happy yeah. that she saw because these were playing like hardcore. All she the was fans. sobbing like yeah, yeah, like she turned around to look at the screen because it was behind us. Yeah, and like her eyes were like literally like filled with tears. And she was like someone there you could tell. Like, she was a hardcore All Japan fan. She was there to cheer for all the All Japan people against the outsiders. I mean, you, you know, just that, that type of person. And she was so happy for this man to win this junior title from this outsider. And I'm like, I cannot imagine. Can you even imagine anyone in America <laughs> fucking crying because someone won a secondary title? No one gives a shit. No one is going to cry because someone won the AEW International title. It's just not happening. So, you know, I don't even think anyone's going to cry because someone won the AEW World title. Maybe I could kind of, I could see it. I could see it, actually. But no one is crying over who won the international title. So it's just a different level of care. So, yeah, the fans are better on that level, too. And then, like, the seating is better. I mean, the, oh, yeah. I could not believe how much fucking space I had in this floor seat. I mean, like, I'm a pretty tall person. I'm, like, six one and a half, And a lot of American shows, I'm, like, really scrunched in there. I could, like, stretch my legs all the way forward, like I'm doing right now for nobody who can see. <laughs> and not even touch the chair in front of me. Like, that's how much leg room they gave you on these floor seats. And, you know, I, you know, I'm also a wide person, I will say. And I was barely touching Paul next to me. And it's just completely different than American floor seats. Or floor seats. I don't know what the fuck I just said. American floor <laughs> seats, which I've had a bunch of times recently for AEW shows and stuff. It's just, you know, they pack you in there like sardines. And there are some Japanese venues where the, the fit's a little tighter. So it's not universal. But, like, you know. This show especially, like yeah. tons and tons of space. I mean, um, I went to All In this year, right, in Wembley, where in theory there's just so much space available. There was so much empty space where, like, you could have just spaced out the seats a bit more, but they still chose to just pack everyone, like, super tightly on the floor seats there as well. I feel like Western, Western shows are always like, fuck mm-hmm. you. You know, like, it's just, yeah. like, you're just like, go fuck yourself. You wanted to come to the wrestling show, you're going to suffer now. I just feel like that's what they do. Like, sometimes you're at Japanese venues where there just, there isn't physically space, so you do end yeah, up being like a little Shinkiba, bit tired. Shinkiba, yeah. Actually, but, Tokyo Dome City Hall, like, the upper floor seats were a bit, like, I had my neighbor, like, because I went to the great show yesterday, mm-hmm. I had my seat neighbor kind of spill into my seat, but he was also a bit rude and smelled like cigarettes and regret. So, <laughs> and then I just went to the row behind because there was no one in that row. And then he fell asleep halfway from the show. <laughs> well, apparently there are Japanese fans who want to avoid everybody. That's what Paul just told me. That's crazy. I've never had anything like that happen in all my years here. but uh, Or all my years coming here, I mean. Um, but yeah, so Paul met the one bad Japanese <laughs> fan. But I don't know. That still doesn't sound as bad as a crowd comedian, though. Oh, no, 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 no. At least because he, uh, that guy wasn't making any noise for anything. So like, I'd rather have him be silent and be grumpy than, yeah, try and get over. <laughs> But yeah, so you just like I said, obje- like again, if you want to argue subjectivity, subjectivity, that's great. But like this was my first show of the trip. You know, you like you mentioned you already went to Gle- mm-hmm. to Greet yesterday, mm-hmm. um, or Great, whatever the fuck it's called. So just being in a Japanese wrestling crowd again after four and a half years, it just felt profound. Like it just felt like I fucking made it back here. 
It looked like I wasn't going to make it back here for a time <laughs> during COVID. Like, will this country ever reopen is what it felt like for years. And, yeah, it's just it was so great to be back in, like, a regular Japanese wrestling crowd. People could cheer all they wanted. Oh, that was so awesome. That was just, like, you know. Obviously, my fourth trip won't be my last. And I just, I was so happy. So, 22 minutes, we haven't talked about a single match. but <laughs> yeah, I remember when you were setting up, you were like, Oh, uh, let's go like 20 minutes on the uh, on where we started the show. <laughs> but we'll see. Let's get through. Well, we definitely have to do the main event in detail. Mm-hmm. Some of the undercard I think we could blow through. Uh, the main event here, of course, was Katsuhiko Nakajima, the 71st champion, defeating Kendo Miyahara in 25-51 to retain the Triple Crown title. Uh, a stunner of a result on many levels. I'm going to let you take the floor here, obviously, because you're, you're the All Japan guy. Yeah. You were not expecting this. No, absolutely not. I legitimately like was like, oh my God, I think was, was word for word what I said when the finish happened. I mean, not. I, I actually had a bit of a feeling after, like, as the match was going on, that Nakajima actually might be winning this just because of the way the match was structured. But I, I absolutely did not expect him to tap out Kento Miyahara. That is actually very much the last thing that I expected to happen. I expected him maybe to like hit like the spike one more time and then just pin him again. Or I don't know, I was also maybe thinking maybe it would go to like a time limit draw or anything like that. But I definitely didn't expect him to like tap out Kento Miyahara. Because I'm trying to think when even the last time was that Kento lost by submission. Like, I can't even think of a time where that would have even yeah, happened. Yeah, I don't know when that would have happened either. I can't think of anything. Because, like, for example, Yuma, like, beat him uh, with the, uh, like, like Yuma pinned him. Like, Yuma didn't tap him out because Yuma kind of has two finishers. So he could have, in theory, like, tapped him out. But, like, again, that was a pin. And then, yeah, I, I would have to, like, really, like, dig deep into the archives to even find out when that happened. But just tremendous match as well. Like, that, oh, yeah. that crowd reaction just... So, so, okay, so the crowd, to, to, to set the table here, so Nakajima had been doing um, basically an Anoki tribute for weeks leading up to this. He had the red, the red towel. Yep. Uh, he, like, he shaved his head kind of down to, like, an Anoki, although he, had, he still had a blonde, but he shaved it down mm-hmm. to, like, an Anoki haircut. And he had the, the former New Japan president, Higashi yep. something. I can't remember his name right now. But <laughs> the New Japan, the former president of New Japan in the 80s who... He's like 92. Uh, yeah, he's like 92 years old. He had to resign at one point. He went to form the UWF. But he had like this really old school New Japan logo jacket. Uh, I should have looked up his name beforehand, but it's Higashi something, I think. Yeah, I think um, so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you look up like 80s New Japan president, you'll find it right away. But but yeah, so he came out with him here. So he came out to Anoki's old theme song, mm-hmm. you know, the fight. <laughs> I mean, it is a really good theme. As, as much as I love Nakajima's theme, like his normal theme, it was a great troll drop right yeah. in there. And like, it's the atmosphere. That entrance, I mean, obviously Kento's entrance is always incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've never been in the, uh, at a building for a Kento Miyahara entrance, which I had not until today. I totally forgot about this. Oh. All Japan, somehow I totally forgot to mention this until now. All Japan was like the last promotion left I hadn't seen. <laughs> the last major one because it never worked out. First trip, 2016, I could have either gone to a Champion Carnival show or a uh, my one of my favorite bands, the, the band who actually performs the theme song of this, of this podcast, uh, Sakon Action. And I picked Sakon Action, which I don't regret at all because was, that was an amazing concert. And God only knows if I'll ever get to see them perform live again. Uh, you know, I actually tried to figure out if it could work on this trip, but it, it didn't. So... But I figured, you know, I'll see them on another trip. 
somehow when I went in 2017 and 2019, it never worked out. I was in Tokyo. They were somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I would leave Tokyo. They would come back to Tokyo. It just never worked. So obviously for this trip, you know, I knew I was going to see them at minimum for the January 2nd or 3rd Corican. And then they add this December 31st show at Yoyogi. And I'm like, well, fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> but yeah, this was, so this was like the last major promotion I had not seen. I had seen so many major and minor promotions. I mean, I don't know what the biggest fucking promotion left that I haven't seen live would be at this point. Great. Probably. Probably, I guess. Yeah, I guess that would be the... They're bigger than Zero One. I haven't seen Zero... No, no, I've, I have seen Zero One. <laughs> I went to a Zero One Corrigan. So, yeah. It's like, I haven't seen... I haven't seen Greet. Um, isn't just Great? Well, I, I think saying, it's Great, yeah. Yeah, it, Great, whatever. Because they kind of earned the right back for me to call him Great. Because yeah. Afterward, after the Sumo Hall show, I was like, no, I'm going to call you Gleet until you, like, <laughs> earn your right back. So, yeah, Great. Um, I haven't seen Great. I haven't seen, like, a bunch of the Joshi. I haven't seen, like, Ice Ribbon... Or um, like actress girls, um, I have I've seen Marvelous, I think, maybe I haven't, I don't know, but I've seen I definitely seen Stardom, Tokyo Joshi, and uh, God the the other one that goes through the dentist office. I didn't uh, got to move. Thank you, got to move. I don't know why I couldn't think of got to move, um, but yeah, I, I've seen Got to Move and Ice Ribbon in Tokyo. I mean, in Stardom and Tokyo Joshi. Um, I've seen Michinoku Pro when they ran a Korok in here. I haven't seen Osaka Pro, so there's another one, I guess. We're talking very tiny promotions now. So, um, like, I haven't seen Heat Up, if that's even still around. Yes, it is. Okay. So, I've seen Lock Up, though. I've seen Lock Up, so again. J-Stage. J-Stage. I don't even think that's around anymore. But, yeah. Um, Wrestle 1, which it definitely isn't around anymore. Nope. I saw Wrestle 1. <laughs> yes, I've seen lots of big and small promotions. It's very funny. That all Japan of all things was the only one I hadn't seen. <laughs> so yeah, this is my first time, I think. Actually, no, I might have seen Kento on another show, like I'm in, as a guest spot in the promotion. I think I did. So it was either my first or second time seeing a Kento Miyahara interest in person. But even then, if I, I think I did see him as a guest as a guest spot in something else. But they wouldn't have done the entire thing where the crowd is like doing the Kento yeah. thing and he goes to the Miyahara Kento. They didn't do that. So being in the building for that was amazing, and then. Katsuyuko Nakajima's entrance here, though, where he comes out with the Inoki theme, he just walks out slowly, he's got the towel, he's got the present with him, just the sheer presence of this man, and walking into All Japan as their champion, doing an Antonio Inoki tribute, which I don't, like, hopefully everybody understands the magnitude of that, doing an Inoki tribute in All Japan. It was incredible. I mean, it really felt like the, one of the greatest things I've ever seen in, in person. I mean... It was like, how... I mean, you said it about Noah. <laughs> I might as well go on that right now. Yeah. And the, like, the thing I said after this whole thing was over, after he won, and then because then he was, like, doing, like, the... He did the Inoki call after the match as well, and then he was, like, walking around the crowd, and the crowd was, like, rushing to the side as well to, like, like shake hands with him and everything. Like, Noah had this man for years. Years. Like, what, like, 11 or something? I yeah, think? something something like that. And they, made, and they did try with him, right? But, like, it just never clicked at all, like, and... Okay, and they he, tried with him once. Yeah. They oh, tried with they, him once. Okay, yeah, they well, did twice, because they did have the... They did give him the title for the first time after he did the G1. Where, like, remember when he was in the G1, he kind of got hot Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, They yeah, gave yeah. him the title then. Uh, and then they did... Then that, that title reigned. Like, that one just objectively failed. And then they did the whole, like, turn him heel, have him give, give him the new character, like slowly rebuild him with like access, putting him in a Congo and then they put the title on him again. 
and that didn't work either. So again, for the longest time when I'm approached, I was like, look, I love Nakajimo, but maybe he's just not that kind of guy. Maybe he's just not a draw. Well, so, that's out of the window now because All Japan has had this man for a month. Yeah. And he is a massive star now. I mean, maybe it's just like taking a guy and giving him a new context and like a new environment and he can excel like this. But yeah, it doesn't say good for Noah and no. their star creation. They had this man get penetration pinned by Kaz Fujita. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I don't know. So not good, not good things about Noah. That's for sure. That's not. No, it's it's massive egg on their face. I mean, I am like we're also gonna go to the Ariaki show on one two, and uh, Road to Tokyo. Yeah, Road to Tokyo Dome. Road to Tokyo, yeah. Road to Tokyo Dome and Ariaki. It's very <laughs> ambitious by New Japan to book that. Uh, I mean, it is that. That's what it is. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. The fucking main event is a, like a guy who's most known for his New Japan. Run. The eighth of the promotion. Mm-hmm. Is it is is only there to set up his match on the Tokyo Dome? <laughs> like that's the thing. We just see this as Nakajima right now. Where like Nakajima leaves no, and he just instantly becomes a like he draws the biggest crowd in Yoyogi this year. Like they drew a thousand more than they did in September. They're the only promotion to even break two thousand people in Yoyogi this year. Wow. New Japan didn't do that. Stardom didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, and we're gonna see this again because Kaito's gonna jump to New Japan and he's gonna main event a sold out dome in like two <laughs> years, beating Okada for the title. It's it's really funny. I mean, Noah really like they can sure give Keiji Muto a good retirement run. Other yeah. than that, he's still <laughs> getting paid by them. They they just brought it. They just did like his like birthday show this month well like they're still paying him <laughs> I, whatever uh the match itself which we haven't talked about at all yes. it was an amazing match i went four and a half i've seen a lot of fives i, I don't know i went five, you, when you I went five. um i like the first one very slightly better i mean the first one i think i went four and three quarters and that is going to be in my match of the year like top five or top ten mm-hmm. whereas i think this would just just be below it but it was still an incredible match. I mean, you know, four and a half. It's not like I... Yeah. People people sometimes act like, oh, you only gave it four and a half. You thought it sucked. <laughs> yeah, why did you think this match was awful? Why did you hate it? <laughs> I thought this was incredible. I mean, the fact that Nakajima, like, targeted that arm and then had it pay off at the end with just tapping Mihar out was just amazing. It, it The only thing I would, like, complain about a little is the finish did feel, feel kind of abrupt. And, like, the crowd in the building, I think, agree with me, where everybody just kind of stood, sat there like... What the fuck? And I guess tapping on me a hard would always feel like that. And, you know, again, they paid, they paid off the arm works. I can't, I'm not really complaining about, you know, the finish they decided to do. It just felt like they left something in the tank, which, you know, maybe they'll go back to this again. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe that might be why. But, yeah, I don't know. It just felt like it felt like the, the match was building to an even bigger crescendo than we got, probably. That's just kind of how I felt. Me, I actually, to me, actually the finish was the thing that made it go five because... I would have been like, yeah, I would, because I was like fully ready to just go and do the whole like cheer for like, like jump up and cheer for Kento when he like finally actually does put him away. And then when he just tapped, I was like, oh my God, like, like that is just such a like, like such an emotional whiplash reaction that I think that's really what pushed it across for me. It's just, it really did get you like that emotional investment was just on an absolutely another level there. I mean, you were just watching this entire match. It just, you know, it. First of all, it was one of these things where I, like, I, I did the entire speech before, but like just watching this match, you're just like, wow, I'm correct. Japanese wrestling is just better. <laughs> I mean, that's just how you feel when you're watching that. I'm just like, you can't get this yeah. feeling in America anywhere. You're never going to have this feeling of these two guys 
like one guy being an avatar and it's just the, the interpromotional stuff has always been a huge advantage for Japan. Mm-hmm. There is no AEW is not doing anything. Um, first of all, there are not multiple promotions with the kind of history that they have in Japan. There's one basically, mm-hmm. and second of all, they never work together because the few times they try, I mean, it, it usually does not end well. No. I mean, look how the AEW Impact thing ended. So like. You know, you have one guy who's like a living avatar of all Japan now in Kento. Another guy who's a legitimate outsider, has a past with this guy. And, you know, but then they didn't face each other for like, what, 11 years or whatever it was. And now is like cosplaying as the living avatar of New Japan. New Japan. And like the emo- the sheer like emotion in that match, I just think, I, I don't know how you'd ever get that in American wrestling. It just would not happen. So, you know, just, like, watching that play out, I'm just like, this is just incredible. I mean, this, being in the building this is incredible. You know, the entrances were incredible. And, like, you know, it just, like, that crowd was so behind Kento. There were, like, a few Nakajima supporters. You could hear them. There were two guys, like, to our right, uh, like, three or four seats mm-hmm. down, who were Nakajima supporters. They even had the Inoki towels, <laughs> too. And they, I remember after the finish happened, I tweeted it out. I was like, well... Everybody here is just on silence except the Inoki towel guys. They are yeah. loving life. They are like, yeah, buddy. Like they were, they were celebrating. Everybody else was just like, what the fuck? But that moment could not happen in a, you know, in another uh, type of wrestling. So I mean, they did kind of like they did try once in the US, right? That because they did the whole like Ric Flair coming into WWE, yeah, WWF yeah. at the time. Uh, thing as like the real world champion basically when he jumped from WCW and that did, it didn't work it didn't like, work the fans so, didn't care yeah. I mean WWF fans just wanted to see their cartoons they were not going to give a shit about yeah. Flair as the world world champion they just ended up dropping it and WCW sued them anyway yes so, rightfully so <laughs> but like can you imagine New Japan filing suit being like you cannot tribute a no <laughs> oh yeah oh, yeah. they would never they would never do no. that it just would not happen here so yeah I mean just a it's just a t- completely different mindset in every single way. But yeah, match was amazing. Yeah, I, I think it might be my match of the year. I have to think about it. So basically, right now, my top three, like in no particular order, it's the it's the uh, Aoki versus Okabayashi in Big Japan. Because mm-hmm. that's basically like I have like three matches at five uh, this year. So it's that one. The other one is from yesterday, <laughs> which was oh, uh, yeah, I had Tamara versus T-Hawk. Because I, that was the one where I did jump up at the end of the match and just screamed loudly when he finally, uh, when Tamara won the title. Uh, and then this one. And I think it might be this one that will win out in the end, but it, it's, it's going to be one of those three. Yeah. Obviously, because we're not going to see another match because uh, the year is ending in yeah, like a couple hours. <laughs> Naito, Naito Sonata, well, a couple hours for us, not yeah. for everybody else. But yeah, Naito Sonata could be amazing, but it's still not going to be... <laughs> eligible for 2023 it's a different year yeah yeah, yeah. um the but yeah anything else to say about the main before we move on so the, the rest of the card i think we can go through pretty quick but semi-main uh was minoru suzuki david boy smith jr and hokoto omori beating suwama hideki suzuki and hikaru sato uh davy boy pinned sato in 1547 this was like a really fun six man you know like mm-hmm. you just kind of playing the hits with minoru suzuki him and hideki uh, going out at the start was fun, just you know, doing their chain wrestling and stuff. Uh, Davy Boy was, you know, cool to see back in Japan after all this time. He was supposed to be in the 2020 Champion Carnival, but of course, uh, the world ended. Still a shame. I was that supposed was to be in Japan in 2022. <laughs> I had a in 2020 also. I yeah. mean, like uh, I was supposed to go to the G- Fall G1 
Because I was like, oh, I'm a chance to go to a G1 and have to sit through the summer yeah. heat again. And then the world ended, so. I, I literally <laughs> had an entire month planned in Japan for oh, 2020. Yeah. Like, that's actually the hotel I'm going to tomorrow. The specific reason I wanted to go to that hotel is because I had a room booked in that hotel for an entire month in 2020. <laughs> and now I can actually go there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the point is I was cool to see him. Um, you were the only one cheering for him, though. <laughs> me for Davey? No, yeah. there were some other people. I heard a couple other people go Davey. But yeah. Not... I think someone actually just called him boy. Which I found some, someone called him boy. <laughs> um, the third match from the top was we kind of we mentioned this before Dan Tamura winning the junior title in exactly 17 minutes over Ellen Deman. Um, you missed the start of this one because you mm-hmm. were outside uh, getting, getting food because you were like passing out from hunger oh, God, and you couldn't hungry. eat in this building. That's one of the only downsides about it. I oh, know so, you, you could did actually let me in with the food. I was oh, just yeah? I just didn't want to walk like all the way down and eat it in the seat. So I actually I watched it from like. I watched the first oh, so part from the con- No, no, I did miss the start oh, okay. of it, uh, but I, uh, but I did like basically watch like the most of it from the concourse. Um, there were like signs that said no food or drink. I could have sworn, but they, maybe, I did see uh, them as well. That's why I was like, I let, <laughs> let, I'm not gonna go down to seats because I already expect them to not let me into the building. Oh, Japan breaking the rules. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they and then they let us have drinks too. I realized so I don't yeah. know because I went to that vending machine, but yeah. Um, All Japan, bad for Miyogi. <laughs> bad for Miyogi. Um, but yeah, this. But I was going to say, like, my hot take of it, because you said, you were telling me, because again, I haven't seen a ton of All Japan besides, like, the main events and stuff, so I haven't really seen any of this junior title reign. You were telling me the Ellen Demand uh, yep. title reign was not that great. No, it was it was disappointing. Like, he's kind of gotten very formulaic ever since he lost the G-Rex title. So, and he was just kind of, like, mostly just, like, the matches weren't bad, but they were also, like, always a step behind what you were expecting they were going to be yeah like i would say his best defense was actually against uh, jonathan grasham mm. and the other ones were always like you look at it on paper and you're like oh that's going to be a great match and it they never got there yeah so he had four defenses before this but but excuse me so i went in with um you know lowered expectations and i thought this was great i mean this match was awesome just being there for again for tamura's big moment was awesome mm-hmm. and the crowd was so behind him and so happy when he won um but yeah, the match itself, I just, I really liked it. I mean, you know, I didn't take any notes because I was I'm there live. I'm not going to be fucking <laughs> scrubbing down notes of what happened. But, you know, the way, uh, like, at one point, I think Tamura, like, countered an arm bar, like, into a powerbomb. And yep. the way the crowd just went, like, you know, they had that very Japanese reaction, like, ah, but, like, they all did it at once. It was, like, this big, giant, ah, and, like, they were just, it was so awesome. And, you know, and then it, he kind of just, like, powerbombed him repeatedly mm-hmm. until he pinned him. Um, it was a lot of fun. I went four stars flat on it. Uh, definitely better than I was expecting with having Linda Man's reign buried to me beforehand. <laughs> I but yeah, I thought, he, I, th- I thought he was great here. I mean, you know. Also, Linda Man's tan is off the... Like, it's the holy off shit, the what fucking, the fuck? It's off the fucking... Sue Williams made a great joke about in the slack that I'm not going to repeat <laughs> because he can make that joke and I can't. So you'll never know it. I probably shouldn't even mention it. But if he's listening to this, he'll laugh. Um... The undercard, the rest of the undercard kind of just there. I mean, there was All Japan versus DET Tag, uh, fourth from the top, and just kind of going actually won that one because that's, uh, when I, cause that's where it's basically like, I can't even wait, I, I can't even stay until the end of this match because I'm so hungry, I'm about to pass out. Yuki Ueno beat Rising Hayato ah, okay. in 1328. Uh, so it was Ueno and Toy Kojima against uh, Atsuki Ariyagi and Rising Hayato. Um, match six this is a match I dipped out on, uh, which was Yuma Anzai and Charlie Dempsey. Beating Fujinami and Leona. 
Charlie Dempsey beat Leona in 848. Uh, I, neither one of us wants to see Regal Stupid Kid. Nope. So we both dipped down. Generic ass boring theme. Uh, match five, Ashino's return tag. He got pinned. Uh, it was Jiro, uh, what the hell's his name now? Kurisho Tokyo Japan. Yes. Uh, because fucking WWE's lawyers. Like, I don't understand how you could have a name before you go to WWE and then they still trademark it and you still can't use it. Like, I th- thought it used to be if you had the name before you went there. You, you still own it. But I think maybe like the, sometimes I think they make it sign it over. Oh, I see. Well, right, I think that's what Stallion Rogers did. Yeah, that sucks. But yeah, so but I mean, the crowd doesn't care. The crowd still chants "Ek mm-hmm. Ek Man." They yeah. don't. They're like, "We're we're not fucking gonna get sued, so we're gonna chant <laughs> for Ek Man." But yeah, so he beat Ashino, who was teamed with T Hawk. I probably didn't mention that. And Karisho was teamed with Sego Tachibana. Uh, as you pointed out, three out of these four people, mm-hmm. former Wrestle One champions. Yep. And the other guy also in Wrestle One. Yep. So it was really a Wrestle One. Wrestle One still going strong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, yeah. if you want to see us. You can see us very much at the beginning of uh, Jiro's entrance. You can see me put up my hand for a high five for Jiro, and Jiro either doesn't, doesn't see it or just is like, I'm not fucking high five this fat guy, Jiro, <laughs> and just fucking ignores me. But yeah, that was great. Um, but yeah, that, so that, I mean, the, the match itself, I thought was good. You know, it was a good mm-hmm. little match. I mean, people either love or hate the Jiro routine. Uh, I have not seen it in a while because I don't watch WWE. It was fun having him back, and he, his entrance was so long, it looped twice. Yes. Like, he basically went off. I think it might have been longer than it was yesterday, because yesterday he was also on The Great Show, and for, and that was, like, where he was teaming with, like, Brandon Cutler and Colt Cabana. Oh, my God. And I was like, yeah, I'm not staying. For, like, I literally, in the, in the time it took him to finish his entrance, I went to the toilet. I was looking for the bar because I hadn't been to Tokyo Dome City Hall before. I found the bar. I bought a beer and made it back to my seat before he finished his entrance, which is insane. Uh, but yeah, so he pinned Ashino and I get with the uh, the roll up. I guess the idea is because Ashino needs to shake the ring yeah. rust off. I mean, that's normal. Like he's going to beat like Jiro in a singles match at some point soon. Then match four, the true rookie of the year, uh, <laughs> June Saito defeated Ray Saito in twelve oh six. This was so much fun. God, yeah. I almost thought about going four on this. I went three and three quarters. I mean, the two Saito brothers just fucking going at it. And they did not hold back at all. Each other. No. They were just like, we're going to beat each other up. So most of the crowd really loved Ray, which I wasn't really expecting. He's the, the bigger, like, heavy set one with mm-hmm. the beard. And the crowd loved him. It's the more charismatic one. At one point, I went June. I decided to just cheer for June because everybody's <laughs> cheering for Ray. And I went June. And the woman behind me, again, the, the older woman we were talking about, turned around and she goes, oh, no. <laughs> I, was like, oh. I was like, I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. And she's like, no. But then the woman next to her apparently decided to side with me and that's also started chanting for June. So I was a trendsetter. I got her to get behind June too. And then other people started chanting for June. But for the most part, it was all Ray. So they were very disappointed when June beat him. Uh, they, they just like, they kicked each other in the face. <gasps> Shoot that, but yeah. that sounded so dis- like you're just maiming your own brother. Like, this was the fuck. This was like right up there after the junior title match and the yeah. like. I was gonna tell somebody who was, never, who was short on time. I'd be like, watch the main event, watch the junior title match, and watch the Saito yes, brothers. Yes, absolutely. Watch the Saito. Yeah. Watch the Saito brothers singles match. Like you really should. And also the one thing is people actually started cha- after a while. People did the Japanese oh, yeah. equivalent <laughs> of like both these guys, where they just started sen- chanting Saito. Yeah, they started going Saito, and I'm like, okay, yeah, they're both Saito. Uh, match three, Yuma Aoyagi and Yoshitatsu. Surprise resign yeah. uh, from Yoshitatsu. Well, no, it wasn't. Uh, I fully expected it. Oh, he, they, he did. Oh, okay. No, it's not, it's not that, like, it was that 
But like the way, just the way he was booked over the uh, year, it was very clear that he was on his way out because he was just getting beat by everyone. Uh, but yeah, they beat uh, Shuji Shikawa and Rei Ayabi, or Ren Ayabi, in 731. Uh, Ayagi pinned Ayabi. Uh, so goodbye, Yoshitatsu. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> what a loss for all Japan. World famous Yoshitatsu. Yeah, world famous Yoshitatsu. Still, I could, when, he, when they announced him, I was like, that, I was I like mean, that still was fucking yeah. I mean, if anything, that is at least a little bit of a like ease of concern about this whole WWE thing, where it's like, if they really were going to go into bed with the Wii, would they like let the guy go that was there for years? Yeah. Like, that doesn't really fit. <laughs> uh, another guy leaving, Takai Omori's last match. That one was, that's one, that's a lot sadder than Yoshitatsu yeah. leaving. Uh, Takao Omori, Ryoki Honda, and Ryo Inoue beat uh, Mitsuya Nagai, Koji Doi, and Kira Arashi. Uh, it was Omori pinning Arashi at 8.49 with an axe bomber. So they put Omori over on the way out. That was classy. Yeah. Um, and the opener... And people also cried uh, for that one as well. Yeah. Like, people were, cried when he came out. Yeah. Like, I mean, people were really, like, you know, the, very emotional. I mean, Omori's been there, what, since... God, I'm trying. When the hell did he join the company? Uh, late eighties? Oh no, wait, no, early nineties? No, no, no. Well, he would have jumped to Noah. I mean, he jumped to Noah, and he came back. He came back relatively quickly, though. Yeah, so it was like what late two thousands, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been, he's been there a long time. Yeah, is the point. So, yeah, because the entire everybody on the roster except Kawada and Fuji jumped to Noah, but I think he jumped back pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this up now because I'm just curious. But yeah, the opener uh, was Black Menzo Rei, Takuya Nomura, and Fuminar Abe losing to Minoru Tanaka, Noriki Doi, and Koji Ramoto. Uh, Tanaka pinned Menzo Rei in 9-11, which uh, his ground cobra hold or whatever, yep. which is kind of surprising because I mean, he's the next challenger for Tanaka's well. team <laughs> So the crowd loved them to Black Menzo Rei. Oh, now. God, no. I mean, and he is really good. When he wants to go, he's really good. Like, he yeah. generally just tends to do the comedy stuff. But when he actually is, like, actually serious, he's really good. Yeah. So, if this will ever load, I will find out when Omori left for All Japan. Because <laughs> I'm, just, like, legitimately curious at this point. Uh, he left for All Japan... Okay, it was a little after what I said. 2011. 2011, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he was... He did a... St- I forgot he did a stop in zero one uh, Between Noah and All Japan. So yeah, he, because I didn't remember he left Noah yeah. towards the end of the 2000s. So, he was Noah... No, no, no. He left Noah way before that. Way before that? So, already? he was in Noah only f- until the end of 2002. Um, and jumped to... He jumped to World Japan. The fucking... Uh, uh, the, 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 that was the, the... What's his name? The Ricky Choshu promotion. Mm-hmm. That didn't last very long. So, he was there in 2003. And then he goes World Japan to zero one through 2008 uh he spends some time in new japan in 2009 which i totally forgot about that yeah i have japan. no memory of that oh the team with naganishi uh, i think it was wild child yeah was the name of the team yeah so that that's when he was in new japan in 2009 and then 2010 he's kind of aimless and then 20 i think his number one promotion was spwf ah, yes, <laughs> so, it's only like four matches but then he jumps to all japan in 2011 so he's been there 13 years and he stayed through the uh through the War 1 split. Yeah. Which, I mean, the, the Wrestle 1 split, I mm-hmm. mean. War 1, the Dragon Gate stable. <laughs> uh, he stayed there through the Wrestle 1 split. And, you know, even though his partner, Manabu Soya, obviously jumped to Wrestle 1, breaking up... Uh, get Wild. Get Wild, thank you. But to say Burning Wild. <laughs> nope, that's, that's Akiyama and <laughs> that's, Tomori. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tomori. But uh, he's lost a lot of partners over the years. Yes. <laughs> but not, uh, we haven't mentioned No Fear, so... Which is like the only tag team you had that doesn't have Wyatt in it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But 
There you go. So that was the All Japan show. I mean, three great matches and a bunch of other fun undercard stuff that, you know, we probably don't have to buy your way to see or anything. But live experience wise, I mean, just yeah. incredible. Just being the first show back in Japan. So, yeah, I guess we can wrap it up here. So, we're wrapping up the episode here, I guess. And even though this is going after, because this is going after stuff <laughs> that we have not yet seen or recorded. So, Paul, yes. uh, go ahead and do your plugs and stuff. And, yes, uh, listen to the Emerald Flow Show uh, on this very podcasting network. Uh, yeah, where we cover All Japan, a very hot promotion right now, and a promotion I very much enjoy. And Noah, which is also a promotion <laughs> that we cover. I, I mean, I really, I mean, my hope really was that, and obviously, like, th- that's also the weird thing where, like, I'm talking about, like, the show that I, I, how, I don't know what my feelings on Noah are going to be after the Ariaki show, because that was kind of my hope that they were going to, like, recover with the Ariaki show. I thought they were going to do, like, a big reset, and now going into it, it's like, <laughs> Road to Tokyo Dome and Ariaki Arena. So... What are they going to draw for that, you want? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, look, okay. Maybe there's a ton of House of Torture perverts mm. like me mm. that are super excited to see all of House of Torture in action for a six out of six. I mean, time. maybe. Uh, I mean, Ariaki Ring is, is a massive thing. Like, yeah. Like, I don't think they have to draw this show. You think they're doing less than Table for the Six Hundred? Why you, you think you think they'll do more? And they did do more when they did it previously. They okay. did over like three thousand. They did three thousand five hundred. Okay. So, like, it would be really embarrassing if they don't outdraw all Japan. Which, again, they shouldn't even be within, like, striking distance of each other just based on, like, the amount of money they have available. Yeah, yeah. Because, again, all Japan is, like, a big indie and Noah is owned by, like, one of the biggest companies in Japan. Yeah. So Usually they well. shouldn't be close. But yet some, if they don't, that... that you well, know again, how bad Ariaki is going to look. People are going to know by the time yes, they listen to the same <laughs> Anyway, listen to the Emerald Flow Show on this very podcast with me and Ger- <laughs> podcast and network with me and Gerard, and yeah, uh, probably going to talk about uh, some of the stuff uh, when I'm back from Japan as well. Yeah, Marina, you're the, you're going back like about the 14th, I think. Uh, 15th. Fifteenth. Yeah, so I'm days. still watching the All Japan yeah. Hurricane on the 14th. Two days after May, which is unfortunate, but. There's a New Japan show on the third. Oh, wait, that's insane. Was that? Yes, you can. I couldn't go to that in Japan. Regardless. All right, anyway. Folks, uh, thank you for listening again to the Wrestling Omakase podcast, the only podcast that airs like twice a year. <laughs> I, I, used to, I would say once a year, but it's not even. I think it did one. We did two in 2022, one in 2023. We'll see how many we do in 2024. Maybe I'll come back for the G1. I mean, it technically depends when this gets posted. Yeah. So this might actually technically get posted in 2024. No, I will. Oh, will. oh yeah, it will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're recording yeah, yeah. after the 5th. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's so all one can't. episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, um, Paul again um, forgot the time confused. travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're all, we're all confused. So, uh, folks, thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Russell Omakase. Wrestling did not fit. Uh, or X or whatever the fuck it's called <laughs> now. Uh, and that is it, folks. Uh, thank you again for listening. And we'll see you next time. Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.